Sorry about the technical difficulty. Can you hear it now? Oh. It's, it's the online. It's, yeah, I think it's on now. Okay. Um, can you check and see? Okay. Mm -hmm. right. First time. Okay, I think we should be good. Thank you. All right, can we share the screen again, um, Gina? Awesome. So uh, Kim and Horn were selected to be the consultant for this project. And then, um, so here tonight we have Gina in person to do the presentation and Adam will joining on Zoom uh, for the Q&A uh, after the presentation. To start with, I'll talk about a little bit about the project overview, like um, why are we studying it? And then what the goal of this study? Um, next slide, please. So Tasman corridor lack of bike lane sidewalk and, uh, and sidewalk are not continuous, making it difficult for pedestrian and bicycle to travel. So the project aims to create connection for, bicycle, uh, for pedestrian and bicyclists on Tasman Drive between Fair Oak and Lawrence Expressway. Next slide, please. So more in depth of the background, why are we doing this study? So um, in here, we do show the five-year collision report. And so, so far we do have one pet, uh, one pedestrian fatality, two pedestrian collision and one bicycle collision. It's shown on them at, uh, on the map. And then uh, next, so we have north side of Tasman, there are lack of sidewalk for pedestrian between Lawn Expressway to the East Channel driveway at uh, show in red. And then portion of the south side of Tasman as well, um, uh, west of Vienna Drive, as you can see in the map. For Tasman, uh, and then for the segment we're studying here, um, the uh, we it lack a bike facility um, at in the map show. So um, as mentioned previously, we want to create a connection for pedestrian and bike on this segment. So what the goal for improvement for both pet and uh, and bike? For pedestrians, we want to provide continuous walking facility along both sides of attachment and provide safe crossing, including point of access to light rail station. For bike, we want to improve safety and comfort for bicyclists by separating them from car traveling lane. And then also we want to expand citywide and regional bicycle network. So next here, we have Gina. She will talk about the project timeline and the proposed alternative for improvement. Hold on, Gina. Thank you, Tim. Uh, my name is Gina Wen. I'm with Kim Lee Horn, supporting uh, the city with this project. Um, I'll start with going over to uh, going over the project timeline. Uh, we started uh, with this project in September 2023. Uh, performing initially the safety and traffic analysis to assess the existing condition of the corridor. Uh, we just wrapped up the development of our preliminary design alternative early this January, um, and that's what we're planning to share with you tonight. And currently, also very excitingly, preparing for round one of community outreach, uh, which consists of uh, the community open house, meetings with the community, uh, with the uh, mobile home parks communities um, nearby the Tasman Drive corridor, as well as an online survey 
uh, to introduce both design alternatives as well as um, to get the public feedbacks and inputs on them. After round one of outreach is completed, uh, we're planning to refine the design alternative based on those feedbacks and then um, present the findings as well as uh, the revised design back to the public in round two. The study expected to wrap up by the end of 2024, including presenting our final findings to uh, the BPAC as well as the city council for uh, to inform, you know, a preferred alternative selection process. So traffic volumes on Tasman decreased significantly during and post-COVID. Uh, it really hasn't returned to its precondition um, in early since uh, 2023. Uh, that's allowed the city to close one eastbound travel lane on Tasman um, during most of COVID to allow bikes and pets to travel on that separate lane um, away from traffic. Um, with additional traffic analysis uh, that we conducted for this project, that's also shown that the removal of one, tra uh, one travel lane in each direction has no significant impact on traffic or induce any additional delays. So here's an example of the existing cross-section of Tasman. Uh, there are virtually no sidewalks on both sides uh, with two travel lanes in each direction. The segment right away is also quite constrained, um, limit between just the sound walls on both sides and a large median um, taken up by the VTA light rail um, services. So before marching into the alternative development of this corridor, we identified some baseline criteria. Uh, the most important is the objective of the project is which is to provide bicycle and pedestrian facilities on both sides of Tasman. We also want to maintain all existing access to the mobile home parks, ensure that entry and exits and turning radius uh, are up to compliance. Uh, another important point is to stay within the public right away and avoid impacting the sound walls, uh, ex the existing trees, as well as uh, not making any modification to the VTA light rail, as well as desk stations. So based on those criteria and constraints, uh, we were able to develop two different alternatives shown here on this slide. Uh, in both alternatives, we are converting one travel lane in each direction to provide the bicycle and pedestrian facility. Uh, in alternative one, uh, the goal is to have a multi-use path share between bike and pets on both sides of the street. Uh, alternative two is with a buffer bike lane, uh, also known as a class 2B, going on both sides. These are the general cross-section. As you can see, both alternative we are maintaining at least one travel lane in each direction and really try to limit our tree impacts to the minimum. So let's take a look at um, alternative one a little closer. So for this one, we propose the multi-use path as mentioned, shared by both pedestrian and bicyclists. The paths are separated from auto by um, a raised curb with widths for the entire path, um, ranging between 12 feet to 16 feet. This provides two-way travel 
on both sides of the street for bike and pets. In some places, we are able to fit in a four-feet landscape strip between the multi-use path and the travel lane. And for this alternative, uh, we limit the tree impact to just four. So this is the intersection of Fair Oaks Avenue at Tasman. Uh, here we want to highlight that uh, due to the goal of minimizing impacting the existing trees, uh, the multi-use path would have to transition into a separated two-way cycle track um, and a sidewalk where bicyclists will have to eventually merge into the corner space um, with pedestrian. Um, we're also proposing new curb extension on both sides and a new crosswalk across the westbound for a more direct access path to the light rail station. Right now, people would have to cross the track twice um, to get to that station across uh, the westbound. There are also uh, a two separate two-stage turn boxes um, for the southbound Fair Oaks and eastbound Tasman that allow bikes to make that left turn without having to cross uh, all the other lanes. And this is the intersection of Lawrence Expressway. Uh, we want to highlight here the curb extension that will help shorten the crosswalk and slow vehicles down. Uh, making it much safer for bikes and pets to travel across as well as along Tasman. Moving on to alternative two, as mentioned, this is a class 2B with uh, buffer bike lanes separated from the sidewalk as two different facilities. We would have a six feet bike lane with a two feet buffer just striped um, on both sides with a potential future upgrade into a class four by adding vertical separation onto that stripe buffer. Uh, and then uh, we have six feet sidewalk um, at the normal sidewalk level um, on both sides. For this alternative, the minimum tree impact we're able to maintain is also four. Four trees, yes, four trees. Uh, relocate, yes. Uh, this is the Fair Oaks intersection. Um, here for alternative two, we are also adding a new crosswalk, allowing allowing that um, a direct connection to the light rail station, uh, same similar to alternative one. Uh, and this is Lawrence Expressway. Um, I want to highlight here the same, uh, similar thing. We are extending the curb. Uh, help shorten the crosswalk and slow vehicles down. So this is the comparison between the two different alternatives. Uh, with alternative one, we have a share, all age, all abilities path. Um, alternative two, you obviously have a separated facilities with minimal conflicts between the two different modes. Um, alternative two, they'll have a potential issue with out-of-direction bike travel because it's uh, one-way on each side instead of a two-way. Um, and then alternative one, just want to highlight that it's you a slightly higher cost implication and design consideration for curb and drainage relocation.
uh, benefits of both alternatives. So both would provide us the safety and access benefits that the project set out to achieve. Both in their own ways, create continuous facilities that are safe and accessible um, and uh, that to, to pedestrian and bicyclists. Um, it's also uh, helped resolve in safer crossing and connection to the light rail stations. So right now we have an online survey that is live and active until March 15th. This is open to the public. So we encourage everyone, including the BPAC members, to visit and take our survey to share your feedback on both alternatives. Here are some next steps of the project. Uh, we're currently on round one of outreach um, and we have a planned community open house uh, on February 29th at the city hall. Uh, and then an online survey, I forgot to mention, is offered in both Spanish and English. And uh, we are scheduling our um, open houses with the community, with the mobile home parks communities, and that will begin early March. Uh, we're starting our uh, to refine the alternatives once we receive all the feedbacks and then um, start conducting our cost estimates. Uh, we're planning to make, meet you again, um, have a second meeting to share our findings uh, in late summer. So there are a couple of questions that are important to us that help us um, move along with this process and identified um, the preferred alternative. So we're hoping that you can share your thoughts um, regarding the two alternatives presented tonight. Uh, and thank you for letting us present. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. This is very exciting. So as a reminder to my colleagues, please request to speak using your microphones. I will um, unmute your microphone when it's your turn to speak. Once finished speaking, please mute your microphone. And again, we're going to do questions first, then I'll open it for public comment, and then we'll have comments and commissioners as a second phase. Okay, so first, uh, questions from commissioners. Let's see. Commissioner Melman. Okay. Um, first question. Um, what uh, changes to the intersection at Vienna and um, Fair Oaks, I mean, Vienna and Tasman um, are being made to accommodate cyclists because I do, didn't see anything uh, marking like left turn, bicycle loop installation, anything like that. So um, where was that intersection factored into the design element? Could you bring the map back up? Oh, go ahead, Adam. Okay, great. And uh, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Adam Denkberg. I'm the uh, project manager for Kimley Horn. Uh, sorry, I'm not able to be there in person tonight due to illness, um, but I uh, look forward to seeing you in person next time. And, and thanks for letting me join remotely. <laughs> um, for Vienna, uh, we did not highlight the intersection on those slides, but we do have improvements. Um, I don't know if you, if we actually want to go to the very back slide. Um, that might be helpful um, <clears throat> just to show the, the full length of the improvements. Uh, so at Vienna, we do have um, 
the shared use path and alternative one would continue through the intersection um, because it's uh, a shared use path. Um, essentially, the, the crossing occurs at the crosswalk, um, which is what we have shown there. There we go. Thank you. Um, and so there would be uh, tightened curb radii to the extent possible, um, new crosswalks, and a um, and essentially the multi-use path would, would cross there. There is a bus stop that is, uh, I think, generally inactive now, but we're preserving the ability to, to keep that bus stop in the future um, should that service resume. <clears throat> For alternative two on the next slide, uh, the bike lanes would continue through the intersection. There's an opportunity for two-stage uh, bike boxes like you have shown here. Um, that avoids, allows the bicyclists to avoid having to actually cross the traffic lanes in Tasman. They can continue straight with the green light, wait in the two-stage turn box until the Vienna green is green, and then they can cross to make their left turn. So, um, you know, some, some nice treatments uh, at that intersection as well. Okay. Um, similar to that, um, what about um, left turn treatments at the Lawrence Expressway end? to get onto Caribbean Drive and then um, uh, same with the Fair Oaks end. I did not see any bike boxes outlined in that um, um, design thing. So I think you have to go back a couple slides. I should have written down the slide numbers <clears throat> to see what the intersectionality was there, but I did not see. Well, this slide currently showing did have some parts of uh, that. That, that yeah. one. So. <clears throat> It's hard to to see, and 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 I regret that we didn't get this um, as part of the packet, so I could like zoom it up and see a little better. But um, are are those like um, are there supposed to be bike boxes in those left turn lanes? So for <clears throat> for um, Lawrence Expressway, um, I think we need some further coordination with the county. There's uh, while certainly Lawrence is used by cyclists, there are not marked bike lanes on Lawrence Expressway. Um, and there's right turn pockets and narrow shoulders and, and things of that nature. So I think we'd have to figure out what exactly the, the two-stage uh, bike boxes would, would be connecting with. Um, so right now we don't have anything um, included for bike left turns at the Lawrence intersection. Uh, there aren't bike lanes on Tasman East Lawrence and that's outside the study area. At Fair Oaks, we do have the two-stage uh, bike boxes and then are thinking through all the left turns uh, that would be, uh, could occur at Lawrence. So you'll see the <clears throat> southbound left turn from Fair Oaks to Tasman and the westbound left turn from Tasman to Fair Oaks uh, would be accommodated via those uh, bike, uh, two-stage bike boxes. Okay. And um, with respect to back to the Lawrence Expressway intersection, um, the, at present, there is no right turn permitted on Lawrence Expressway in the east-west direction, but north-south does permit right turn on red. So if you are extending out the curb to shorten the crossing distance and to slow vehicle speeds, have we initiated any talks with the county, because I'm well aware that Lawrence Expressway is a county road, to uh, eliminate right turns on red in all directions at that intersection? Because... Um, Right there is a high-speed street um, car, pedestrian, cyclist interface. And so that's what I'm concerned with. Um, yes, um, for that one, um, right now it's more of a conceptual uh, design for now. But then when we go in-depth of uh, like the full design, then we'll, we'll for sure we'll coordinate with uh, the county for that right, no right turn on red. 
Okay, so is I, I just wanted to ask, is that part of the project plan in terms of at, approaching the county to eliminate right turns on red, north and south at Lawrence at that intersection? Yes. Okay. And then there's a similar just to, issue. Just to clarify, um, so whatever improvements that we end up um, going to be proposing, that right. would be a coordination. So whether or not um, the no right turn on red for northbound and southbound, that hasn't been finalized in terms of that would be one of the recommendations, uh, in, that would be an improvement or not. Okay. So, you know, tonight we're hoping to get input from the commission so that if that's one of the things that you might want to include, then, you know, you could provide us the input, then we can go back and do additional analysis to, to see if that's feasible or not. Right. And I was saving that for my comment section. Um, and, and it's the same thing with respect to Fair Oaks. There is a right turn lane uh, on the north south side of Fair Oaks uh, where um, and there's a pork chop also turn on Fair Oaks, which is problematic for pedestrians because even though cars are instructed to stop at the, and then proceed, um, it, they're still hidden around the turn there. So um, so I was just asking if um, the current intersection design was looked at in terms of modifications other than adding an additional crosswalk point at Fair Oaks in terms of traffic controls to make it safer for uh, cyclists and pedestrians crossing there, because that's the goal of this, um, is to make it safe. Um, the other thing is, with respect to the curb height, you said, I believe, um, that um, it's like a six-inch, excuse me, a six-inch curb height or something like that um, in option one that so, on the, on the so shared use path. Yeah, to clarify, the, the shared use path would be up on a typical sidewalk uh, level curb, it would be a, a standard uh, city curb. Oh, so it would be above street level. Okay. Yeah. Above street grade, I should say. Okay. I wasn't yeah. clear on that. Um, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Hang on a second. I had, um, obviously we don't have cost estimates because it's too early in the, in the game for that. Um, oh, um, I didn't see any like lighting elements or anything like that in the design presented. Um, and um, so I, I appreciate the um, conservatorship of the trees as much as I personally dislike the Sharmal Ash <laughs> uh, trees for, uh, for other reasons. Um, but um, so uh, I didn't see any lighting or cover designs on, on the shared use path. So um, what about shading and uh, and lighting? Um, in terms of street lighting, uh, the existing for the roadway, the existing lights are are pretty good. In terms of lighting that's more pedestrian or bike oriented on the path, I think that we'd have to look at that further. Um, we haven't gotten to that point in the concept, okay. but that's something that we can consider okay. further. And appreciate your input on that. Right, and and can you clarify what drainage issues were at are at issue? Because I'm I'm not sure because I don't remember. I know there is a um, there's a channel obviously or a creek or something that um, crosses Tasman um, towards the Fair Oak side, and um, I'm assuming that the storm drain runoff goes to that creek, which then goes to the bay. And so, um, can you uh, elaborate on what kind of um, issues are with respect to the storm drainage? Because I don't recall seeing any grates, storm grates along that stretch of road at all. 
Yeah, and and so um, there are uh, there There's are some inlets. Yeah, there are yeah. there are some. Um, so the the comment that we made with respect to alternative one is that we would be moving the curb line. So essentially, the the multi use path would be raised up to sidewalk level. So right. we'd be moving the curb line. So there are some exist there is existing storm drain inlets on Tasman, and so those would have to be relocated. So it's really a cost factor. Uh, more than anything else uh, associated with alternative one, because we'd be re relocating the inlets to line uh -huh. up with a new curb location. Okay. Alternative two, we're generally leaving the curb uh, where it is today um, for the most part. And so there would be less impact to drainage. Um, okay. So it really comes down to cost. Okay. Um, and then I think that was it for my initial questions. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Melman. Commissioner Haithman. Um, thank you, Chair. Yeah, a couple of questions. First of all, basically on alternative one, since both sides have a bi-directional bike path, what about driveways and inter in the intersections? You've got bicycles basically going the wrong way. And if cars are pulling out of a driveway and a bicycle's coming the wrong way, 10 miles an hour, isn't that going to be a safety problem? Have you considered that? Yeah, and uh, you know, shared use paths have been implemented uh, in other locations. We certainly recognize that there is a potential conflict with drivers not thinking to look, you know, to the right for bicycles coming. Um, the shared use path, uh, a couple of things. One is there are very few driveways uh, located on the segment, not zero, but there are very few driveways. Um, you know, for the most part, Tasman doesn't have any access points, um, except for at very specific locations. So that's kind of one where we feel like the multi-use path uh, may work here. Um, if you have a lot of access points, then, then maybe it's less effective. Um, and then the other is the idea behind a multi-use path is that it would be a somewhat lower speed bicycle facility um, because it's a shared space. Um, you know, bikes might not be at their full commute speed. Um, and so that would also um, allow for a better, uh, you know, reaction time and visibility for vehicles uh, pulling out in the road. But that is a potential weakness for the multi-use path is, uh, driver expectations. Okay, and then what's the benefit of having bi bi-directional bicycles on both sides? Yeah, so if you were to to come out, um, you know, cyclist uh, coming out and um, you know coming out with one of the residential driveways um, uh, for the mobile home parks that are not signalized, or even the commercial driveway um, with a one-way path, one-way bike lanes, you know, the typical bike lane configuration, you're really forced to make a right. And, and go, you know, right, whether, so if you're coming out, let's say the Northern um, driveway for um, Fair Oaks, make a right, go to the Tasman uh, Fair Oaks intersection, and then essentially use the crosswalk to cross the street and then come back uh, to the East. So you would have to essentially go a little ways out of direction. Similar in the mobile home parks, there's each of the mobile home parks has a unsignalized driveway um, aside from Vienna. Um, so you can, of course, circulate within the mobile home park, but if you were to come out to Tasman at one of those driveways, you'd be forced to make a right, essentially head to either Fair Oaks or to Lawrence, and then turn around and go back the other direction if you wanted to go to the left. Um, and alternative one, because both are both directions, you can just make a left and, and proceed more directly. So, um, you know, because there aren't ways to cross Tasman except at Vienna, Fair Oaks, and Lawrence, um, we, you know, could potentially end up with wrong way biking. Um, with alternative two, uh, if cyclists just don't really want to take the extra time to go 
add a direction to that next crossing point. And yeah, my comment on the first question also applies to driveways, maybe driveways even more than street intersections because drivers coming out of driveways <laughs> aren't necessarily expecting a high-speed bike going the wrong way. So, okay. Um, then how, did you consider an alternative 1A, but I think probably not, but I'll still state it. And that is still have a raised bikeway, but keep the bikeway separate from the pedestrians and maybe keep it unidirectional. Was that ever considered in your discussion? I mean, that's essentially alternative two, except for um, it would just require raising the bike lane, essentially an alternative two, I think. That's kind it's, of it's basically, I had in mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess that would be a, a variation of alternative two is, is essentially the bike and pedestrian separate, but just raising the bike. It would be kind of like the class four where you're separated from the traffic. Okay, that's all my questions for now. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Hafman. Uh, whoops, hold on, Vice Chair Beagle. Uh, hey, uh, thank you uh, for your time. Um, I have a couple questions, or I have a question for staff first. Uh, so the presentation wasn't added to the agenda. Is there a way it could be uploaded so we could? Uh, after it? tonight, we will upload it tomorrow morning. Okay. Uh, but next time we're trying to upload it like Wednesday before the meeting. Okay. That's how usually we do it. But uh, this time we have some 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 stuff need to uh, resolve before we're posting it. Okay, thank you. Um, so at the very beginning of the present, the, this is the direction for the consultants. Uh, at the very beginning of the presentation, it was mentioned that the removal of the travel lane in each direction has no significant impact on traveler delays. Was there any indication of cause and effect? Uh, sorry, uh, and that traffic has not returned since COVID. Uh, was there any indication that of like cause and effect there? Do are you, was there a sign that removing the travel lane had led to uh, reduced usage of the road, or do you think that tra the traffic would not have returned uh, had the uh, the two travel lanes stayed in the entire time? Does that that question make sense? I can comment on a rationale personally. Okay. Um, people who live. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. People who live in the area generally work for the tech companies. And so they were all working from home. And um, Google is still not, you know, having people necessarily go back to work. Um, in the thing. So it's been um, a substantial decrease in just overall volume from um, people go. I don't think uh, the uh, temporary bicycle pedestrian lane has really caused people to go in because the traffic on Fair Oaks and Lawrence seems just as busy, but um, definitely that I've seen personally that uh, most people are working from home at least a few days a week. And even the light rail traffic, uh, the quantity of riders on the light rail has decreased as a result of that. So that's my theory. <laughs> Right. Um, and I'd want to add to onto it. So um, staff do take counts on certain roadway year after year. And my understanding is that um, some of the major um, arterial, the traffic counts on those arterials and have not returned to pre-COVID conditions yet. Okay. Uh, thanks for that clarification. That leads into my next question. Uh, do we expect that traffic to 
ever returned or not ever, but like, is it anticipated that in the next five, 10 years that traffic will stay depressed? Do we have any anticipation of that? I don't think at the moment we could make that, make any comments on it. Okay. Yeah. Well, with the, okay, let, let's assume, I'm going to keep going with these line of questions. Let's assume that it stays depressed. Uh, there was, there was one of the constraints on the, the alternatives uh, proposed was that they didn't want to impact this, the sound barrier. With the reduced traffic on the road, is a sound barrier as necessary? And would have reducing the constraint for that sound barrier allowed wider, more bike, like wider space for bike pet options uh, if that constraint on the sound barrier was alleviated? Um, we do need to keep in, keep in mind that along the corridor, besides vehicular traffic, there's also light rail running along the corridor. So the sound barrier is not only preventing the sound from um, automobile, but also from the light rail as well. Is Okay, so having only spent a moderate amount of time near the light rail, is the sound of, like, was the light rail the concern that got the sound barrier added, or was it the traffic to, from the vehicle? I'm assuming it's both. Okay. And, and I'll yes, just I'm I'm sorry. I am a resident who lives up against the sound barrier. My house in Casa de Amigos is literally up against the sound barrier. So the lot space between the back of my house and the sound barrier is approximately six feet. Okay. So that sound barrier is my backyard, basically. And it's the same for all the houses and residences along the street there. Um, so um, the light rail is relatively quiet. I've gotten used to it over here. My bedroom is literally up against my back wall. And so, but um, every now and again, it's uh, it can be noisy, especially if they ding ding for reasons that people are on the tracks. But um, yes, you can hear the light rail go by. Okay. Um, I guess I'm still curious if the sound barriers, that sound barrier constraint did impact what like designs were presented. Yeah, I'll, I'll know the sound barrier is generally located at the right-of-way line. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think as part of this project, we were not considering any right-of-way takes either. Um, I don't think you really get much, um, you know, the sound barrier isn't really a huge, uh, the width of the sound barrier isn't a huge, you know, take up a, a ton of space. So it's really the right-of-way line that's essentially restricting the, you know, how far we can go. Um, to either side. And so uh, that's why I don't think the sound barrier really gives us a whole lot of flexibility. It's really the right-of-way line that also constrains it at that same okay. point. Cool. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, and then continuing with the depressed traffic on the road, uh, I believe both alternatives still have two left turns onto Fair Oaks and two left turns onto Lawrence off of Tasman. Is that correct? Uh, so it's one left turn onto Fair Oaks, but okay. two left turns onto uh, Lawrence. Okay. Uh, regarding the Lawrence one, is there was it considered to remove one of those left turn lanes with the re reduced traffic? Yeah, we did think about that. Um, there's a couple factors sort of weighing into that. One is um, the Lawrence intersection has a lot of traffic. Um, and so the more time that you have to dedicate to the left turn movements, the less efficient the intersection is. It's large intersection, very long pedestrian crossing time. So it already has a very long cycle length. Um, and so the, you know, if you're able to provide the, the two left turn lanes that allows you to spend more of your time in the cycle length than other movements and, and keep the cycle length generally shorter, 
which also leads to lower vehicle cues. So, um, you know, if you did eliminate one of the left turn pockets, it would certainly lead to more vehicle cues, which is a concern because we are also eliminating one of the northbound left turns from Lawrence to Tasman. It's because we only have one receiving lane on Tasman with each of these two alternatives. And right now there's two left turn lanes from Lawrence onto Tasman. So we have to get rid of one of those northbound left turn lanes. So we're already increasing that left turn queue length quite a bit on Lawrence as part of this. Um, and so, you know, we generally wanted to try and keep the intersection operating as, as efficiently as possible, um, given that we're already um, causing some of those effects. Um, and then the other factor is there wasn't a clear use of that space. Like if there's this huge win, um, obviously it'd be nice to have a shorter crosswalk, but if there's this huge win of, oh, okay, it allows us to keep the bike facility through or pedestrian facility through, then maybe it's something we could explore further. But the traffic trade-off and queuing trade-off um, kind of was substantial relative to the, the value of the left turn pocket space. Okay, got it. Um, that makes sense. Then um, can we get the zoom in on the Fair Oaks intersection? Uh, I don't know which slide that would be, but. Probably slide 10 yep. or 12. Okay, so if I'm looking at this correctly, that workshop is staying there correctly, correct? Yeah, and the reason for that is because it separates the vehicle right turn movement from the light rail turning movement. Um, and so it allows those to go concurrently in the signal phase, which is really critical to the function of this intersection uh, from an operational standpoint. If we get rid of it, it makes the crosswalks really challenging because there's like no place to connect to on that corner without going all the way um, to the kind of the far corner where the sidewalk is. And so it makes the crossing distance a lot longer too. Um, and so, yeah, we, the idea would be to retain the pork chop. Okay, got it. Or could we get the alternative one view of this intersection? I just wanted to see that again. Okay, so yeah, uh, as a... Um, as a cyclist, I, I find this, I, I would find that to be incredibly confusing. Uh, is there was there was no way with the uh, the the bicycle lane, this alternative, there was no way to keep it going straight without doing this jump onto the, the crosswalk approach, like onto the sidewalk. I mean, uh, like this was just a requirement of the shared use path. Like, why does the the single direction bike path, why is that able to continue straight, but the multi-directional shared use path has to do this weird branching option? Yeah, so there's a couple of constraints. We spent a lot of time trying to figure this one out. So there's a couple of constraints. One is all the trees um, that are uh, along that frontage there. So that's why we have that, the purple, the shared use path and the little inset there splits into the pedestrian and separate um, bicycle facility it allows us to put the trees essentially between where the pedestrian sidewalk is versus the two-way cycle track. So that's the reason for that split there. Otherwise, you could just continue the shared use path all the way up to the intersection and you lose all those trees. Regarding the intersection itself and the reason why we then have to lose the separate bike facility and merge that back in is that um, we were trying to keep the port shop for the reasons that I mentioned um, and that that throat for that right turn movement gets pretty narrow when you think about uh, larger vehicles uh, making that turn. And so we just did not have enough space uh, for cyclists to stay separate. Um, and just immediately far side, just off the image, kind of just above the top of where the aerial cuts off, there's a bus stop there too. 
Um, and so there's just a lot of things happening right there. There wasn't a place where we could have a dedicated bicycle connection through the pork chop. And plus it, uh, because of that pork chop, um, there, it's a challenging um, path for cyclists who want to continue either to Morse or to southbound Fair Oaks. And so really the only way to get them across there uh, is to bring them up to sidewalk level and have them cross with the pedestrians in the crosswalk. Um, and alternative one, because the cyclists are in the street to the left of the right turn lane, if you can go to that, um, sorry, in alternative two, if you can go to that slide, um, we have the cyclists to the left of the right turn pocket. Um, and that allows the cyclists to actually miss the pork chop and they can continue straight um, in a kind of more typical intersection configuration. So if they're going straight on uh, Tasman to get towards Morse, they would just continue on straight through the intersection. Um, and uh, if they're trying to make the left, then they would go to the two-stage uh, turn box. Um, but in alternative one, because they're to the right of the right turn lane, um, essentially the only way we could get them across was uh, through the crosswalk area. So uh, maybe I'm, I'm still missing something here. It, what prevented the bi-directional path from splitting off and having one direction be to the left or the right turn lane? Well, in this case, um, we because it's a two-way, we wanted to keep the two-way together. I mean, I guess you could potentially have like the westbound traffic try and cross the right turn pocket. It would be uh, it would be probably fairly confusing because you'd be forcing the the westbound bikes to actually um, cross the eastbound bikes to get in and then uh, and then cross the vehicles who are making the right turn pocket. So uh, the, going the in two, the right turn pocket. Yeah. So it'd be the the two way bike path starts at this intersection though, right? Could it not yeah. instead start at that crosswalk out of that shopping complex? Um and no, that's because of the trees. That's because of the trees. So, so yeah, I don't know if okay. like uh, let's say if you removed a tree, would that be feasible? I know that it, it would be all the trees. Yeah, it would be all the trees. If you removed all the trees, then you could keep the shared use path all the way. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll have to look at the it, the details slides because I'm I'm trying to figure out which trees would have to be removed. But yeah, I don't know, uh, who's controlling the mouse, Tim. If, if you can point those out, um, the, it will be all the trees uh, in the after you cross the channel. It would be the trees starting from this area all the way to the intersection. So you see all these large trees. Well, so it would only have to be to that. Uh, driveway right now if the, the if it's one lane to the east of the sorry, the west of the driveway one sorry one direction to the west of the driveway and two lane two directions for the bike lane to the east of the driveway you don't only have to remove the trees in between like if you're able to go to google maps you can actually see all the trees there are a lot of trees yeah. okay <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take a closer look at this while I'm looking at this, I'll let some other people ask some questions. Uh, thank you for dealing with my questions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Vice Chair Beagle. Uh, Commissioner Dave. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my question is about access to the light rail for pedestrians from the surrounding community. Uh, can you point out, is it only, can they only cross at either end of the street? And we're talking the or, or where else can they um, cross to the light rail? Vienna light rail and Fair Oaks light rail, that's it. 
Yes, there are three light rail stations, one at uh, Fair Oaks, which we're looking at right now. Uh, we're providing an additional direct crosswalk to it. And at Vienna, there are two stations, which we're also providing improved crosswalk. Yeah, and there's no other, the light rail, you can't cross the light rail at any other point. So there's no other uh, location to, to cross. Um, so I'm not familiar. It's Vienna about halfway uh, along the community between the two intersections. Two thirds. It's definitely closer to V. Yeah, it's closer to Lawrence. So, yeah, probably Lawrence. three quarters or okay. so. Yeah. Okay, I'm just thinking about elderly people wanting to use the train and being able to not having to go out a long way around to get there. It sounds like it's pretty straightforward. Can't get out of parking. And uh, it's it's very close to where the community exit is. So that answers my question. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Levy. Commissioner Bonnet. In which of these options have you considered the, the necessity for cleaning the paths, either by mechanical means or by humans with a broom? Does one or the other prohibit mechanical access, say, of a street sweeper? So in alternative two, um, the bike lanes are at street level. Um, and that is one of the reasons why we have buffered bike lanes. In alternative two, there's no, there's nothing blocking uh, street sweep, sweeper access. So essentially the street sweeper would be sweeping the bike lanes in alternative two, because um, those would be along the curb. So uh, no impact or issue there. In alternative one, um, the shared use path would be above the curb. Um, and so it would not be accessible to street sweeper. Um, and that would be kind of more like a typical sidewalk configuration. I guess I'll defer to staff with, um, regarding maintenance and, and cleaning of kind of sidewalk type facilities. And last question, what is, have you measured the current bicycle use on this sector? I'm curious whether that weighed into the consideration of putting a bi-directional mixed youth mixed use path rather than segregating the the bicycle directions to either side of the street in in uh, parallel with traffic rather than anti-parallel yeah we do have the bike volume this seeing if i could pull those up real quick um you know, bike volumes are, are pretty low today um just a couple and, and that's likely driven by the fact that there aren't bike lanes today you have to be very brave um to be out there on the current road condition, condition today. Um, so the bike counts were very low. I think in terms of um, the idea to provide uh, the two-way travel or bike lanes on both sides, it was really just coming down to providing um, connectivity, um, not only for three cyclists, but also for residents of the mobile home parks. Um, that was the primary motivator as opposed to anything we saw in the volumes. Thank you, Commissioner Bonet. Commissioner Liu. Yeah, thanks. I must admit, I am confused by the schematics. I didn't have a chance to study it ahead of time since they weren't available. But um, like, uh, can we just clarify that slide you had for, well, let me just go through my questions that I have listed here. Um, so, I normally I think BPAC uh, staff you provide the 
material like presentations actually a few days before BPAC meeting. So, but you mentioned tonight that you were going to do it just one day before for the next presentation. Uh, no, usually we will post all the presentation on Wednesday. The Wednesday? Two days before, actually a day before. Um, the. Um, oh, that's how you normally do it? Yeah. Oh, but okay. then, I mean, if we got them early, early from like mm -hmm. all of um, it with uh, with us with the staff, then we'll post them early. Okay. Yeah, I, it'll make it easier for me to review if I get it more than one day in advance. But I understand that um, sometimes you know, uh, you don't you have to do stuff to it till the last day. Um. So. Uh, and so uh, it was mentioned that the, at the Lawrence intersection, since there's currently two left turn lanes um, and the whether one of those left turn lanes could be removed. And the question was, what would we do with that extra space? And um, and then but you, you also mentioned that there might not be room for bike boxes. So would that extra space be used for bike boxes? Could it be used? Um, no, yeah, I don't see that being a constraint on the bike boxes. The, the um, comment I was trying to make on the bike boxes was Lawrence Expressway itself does not have um, marked bike lanes. Um, hmm. And in some cases does not have wide enough shoulders to be used by bikes. So that is more the concern is um, what is, you know, what is the cyclist connecting to on, on Lawrence Expressway? Um, and so I think that would um, require some further discussion with the county, uh, but the constraint is not the the width of the Tasman approach. Okay, and then my next question is on the multi-use path in Alternative One. Is it expected that travelers on it would stay on the right side, and? Would there be a dotted white line in the center to help keep travelers on their side? It's a good question. I don't think we've gotten to that level of detail yet. I think we probably want to uh, discuss further with city staff on the preferred way to, to market. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, given the width of the facility, it probably would be helpful to provide some guidance. And you said it's 12 feet wide? The minimum is 12 feet wide. So it's six feet in each direction. Um, and typically do pedestrians tend to stay on the rightmost edge and cyclists would pass to the left of the pedestrians, but still staying on their direction on the right half of the multi-use path? Yeah, I mean, there are some markings uh, on these types of facilities that try and do delineate pedestrian and, and bicycle facilities separately. Um, you know, I, I think we'd have to really discuss further with the city on, on how we, we might want to work this one. Um, 12 feet's generally on the somewhat more narrow side of shared use path. It, it meets all the standards, but it's maybe not as wide as what you might see in some like beach coastal walks and things like that, um, where you might be associated with, you know, thinking through bicycles and pedestrians mixing. So. Um, I think we just need to spend a little more time with this alternative advances, trying to figure out what that striping would look like. Okay. And in alternative one, I believe 
the barrier you said i think you said there was going to be a barrier between the path and the car lane and that it would be the six inch um discontinuity between the multi-use path and the car road right yes yeah, so essentially the an alternative one the, the multi-use path would be up at a typical sidewalk level so it'd sort of feel like your you know a sidewalk type facility mm-hmm and then was there going to be any landscape strip between the multi-use path and the car lane? Uh, in most of the corridor, it's not wide enough to uh, be able to provide that and save the trees. Um, generally, the trees kind of limit how wide, as you can see in this rendering here, like, you know, if we widen things out, then or we shift the path further away from the road, it essentially knocks out all the trees. So if, if we're preserving the trees, there's a short stretch um, in the eastbound direction west of Vienna, where we can get the landscape strip in. That's going to show a little small here, but yep, thank you. This, um, yeah. this brown segment right here, um, it will be a, I believe, four feet wide landscape strip between that travel lane and our multi-use path. Um, plus, but please keep in mind that the multi-use path is um, going to be recommended to be at a higher level, like a different um, elevation from the vehicular traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You're saying is is the point you're trying to say that because of that discontinuity, there's less need for a landscape strip there. That would be considered um, vertically separated because they're at a different grade, mm -hmm. similar to how sidewalk is vertically yeah. separated from the roadway. Right. Um, yeah, and, and, uh huh. I was just going to say, I mean, we like the landscape strip. I think it's a nice feature to include. It's just um, that location that Gina highlighted was the only place we can do it in the corridor where we wouldn't have to impact a swath of trees in order to install it. Okay. And then um, can we look at the slide where, of the Tasman Fair Oaks intersection for alternative one again? Uh, if you can just somehow um, maybe point with your mouse how the cyclist would go in both directions. Gina, do you want to take a stab at that since you're controlling? <laughs> I will try. Um, <laughs> for the uh, westbound, um, they will continue here and then jump onto the curb space here and then get connected to either this crosswalk um, and then go across or yeah, or, or go, continue on um, southbound direction on Fair Oaks, then they continue here and then get to the bike box. And that, uh, I see, and that white curved section is like a sidewalk? That's or just, you're just seeing the area, the existing sidewalk in the aerial. The whole thing would be a wide sidewalk area. So all the way out to that black curb line, yep. that would all be a wide sidewalk. It's just the white is just the existing showing up in okay. the aerial. And then... And then if the cyclist wanted to make a left turn onto Fair Oaks from there, how would they do it? They will have to cross across Fair Oaks and then get to this side in order to go southbound if okay. it's the direction you want to go. Yeah, so there'd be no right turn on red there. So essentially they would cross during the pedestrian phase. We, they wouldn't have to worry about a vehicle turning southbound right on red from Fair Oaks to, to Tasman. So they'd wait in that box. And then once the green light came on for, uh, for Fair Oaks, then they would continue on straight on Fair Oaks. 
And then as an alternative, if they wanted to, could they get into the left turn lane like a car and make a left turn? They could, yeah. We don't have a ramp right now to connect them, um, to allow them to do that, but that's something that we certainly could add if, if we think that would be something that people would use. Uh -huh. And then is there a reason why a cyclist would want to just take that first crosswalk, turn left, and do that discontinuous? Might they want to get to the other side of Tasman and then go back, like make a U-turn and go back to get to the some destination on the south side of Tasman? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Or maybe they're going to the light rail station, and that would be so, they'd use and that is first that, crosswalk. Is that a, available to them? Like, how would they do it? So there's that cr first crosswalk, and then not that one, but yeah, that one. And then do they then get onto some platform there and then make another? Yeah, half? it's the existing. Yeah, it's just existing facility on the light rail platform, and then it's not raised up yet. The actual like where you wait for the train is raised up, but that part where the crosswalk is is just at street level, uh, and it's fenced in. So they would just, it's called a Z crossing um, if you're familiar with it. And so basically just do the little Z crossing to continue on. And you do the Z crossing instead of just going straight across because you wanted to use existing facility or could you simplify right. it for the users and just do it straight across? I know it would create, create um, cause extra construction, but might that be worthwhile to make it simpler for people? Yeah, there is a um, light rail uh, catenary support pole right where that kind of connects in, but you could probably figure out some way to cross. I think our concern was if you move that crosswalk far away, just concerned about visibility. Um, you know, I think uh, as of now, we are not um, precluding the northbound right turn on red from Fair Oaks to Tasman. Um, but if you move that crosswalk further away, it's going to be you know, tough for a driver to see making that northbound right turn from Fair Oaks to Tasman. I think if we were to move that crosswalk to better line up, um, I, I think to the east, right, is I think what the comment was to just the southern leg crossing to line up with the northern leg crossing. Um, and so that would, uh, uh, we'd probably want to uh, prohibit the northbound right turn on red from Fair Oaks to Tasman. How um, about, we aren't able, yeah. How about moving the bottom crosswalk over? eastward yeah there yeah that's what I, that's what i'm trying to say so if we move that over then it's just the visibility from the northbound right turn from fair oaks to tasman becomes difficult thank you gina oh. um, so that would be one concern the, the other concern that I should mention is anytime you change um a light rail or a rail crossing of any kind um you require a cpuc california public utilities commission approval um i think even doing the crosswalk change that we have here uh, certainly would require their approval and that approval is not necessarily a given but the larger the magnitude change for those light rail crossings um, may the, the greater the scrutiny from the cpuc so i think part of it was just us trying to uh, maybe to limit the amount of change that we're making there but um you know if you felt that was a, a strong um uh, need then certainly that's something we could look at further I, I would have to bike out there and check it out to know what what i think of it um and then, yeah, I will. <laughs> Except it's so dangerous to bike on there right now. <laughs> um, and then, 
Uh, and I had other questions. One second. Uh, did you say at one point for alternative two that the class two B bike lanes would be made into class four? Yes. Then it could potentially upgrade it to um, class four. Oh, go ahead. Let me clarify. So um, for this alternative two, what we're proposing right now is a class 2B buffer bicycle lane. Um, the way that we are planning on designing it is that it's not going to preclude us in the future if um, if we were to look into the potential of upgrading it class four. Okay. Um, and I do um, like the idea of raising it to the sidewalk level. Um, then you wouldn't need to do class four. Uh, oh, also to cross in that schematic to cross the light rail, will there be, is there currently maybe some lights to uh, allow to um, regulate pedestrian and cyclists crossing the light rail? And you'll just keep that? Uh, yes, there are um, blank out signs there that light up when the light rail comes. Uh, um, so those, yeah, we would not be modifying those. Okay. Uh, I think we because we're adding that new crosswalk, we would need to essentially relocate or, or place new ones um, where that new crosswalk's tying in. And then um, can we look at the Vienna intersection alternative one? Okay, and um, so I assume there's a traffic light at that intersection as well to regulate pedestrians and cyclists. Yeah, okay. the existing so light, yep. All right, um, and then you're planning to put in bike boxes there, right? With alternative two, yeah, to allow for the left turn. Alternative two, um, and the reason you don't need it for alternative one is why? Well, it's essentially how the shared use, because it's a shared use path, it's not a separate bicycle facility. So the bicyclists essentially behave like pedestrians in terms of crossing the intersection. So the bicyclists, the idea would be the cyclist would cross um, to the far side. You know, if they're making a left turn, um, they would just use the crosswalk, actually either crosswalk, the west leg or the east leg crosswalk to, to, go, to make the left. Okay, so there's like a safe place for them to wait? Yeah, so it's so in alternative two, they're at street level, right? There's nothing separating them from cars, mm -hmm. so that's why we want to create those two stage bike boxes because we need a place for them to wait where they don't feel like they're about to get hit by a car. In mm -hmm. um, alternative one, because they're up on the curb, um, there's there's no conflict issue with vehicles, so they essentially wait by the ramp up on the curb, safe away from cars. So that's why you don't really need the the, the turn box. Okay, thanks. Those are all my questions. Thank you, Commissioner Liu. Um, since everyone's gone, I have just one question. If you could go to the cross section, we're showing the width of the lanes for alternative one. Yes, that one, thank you, and two. Um, is it possible to make all of the travel, vehicle travel lanes 12 feet consistently and then use that extra on the left one, alternative one, you got 14 feet right now for the travel lane. Did that have to be a 14 feet or could that be just 12 and then make the sidewalk mixed use area 14 feet instead 
Yeah, um, there are the cross section of the roadway does vary a lot through here, um, and so I think there are, are opportunities to make sure that um, we have a, a 12 foot lane um, uh, consistently if that's desired. I don't think that's going to get us like a landscape strip or something like that. Two feet's not enough for that, but uh, there may be an opportunity to increase the width of um, the, the pedestrian space. So that's something we could look at further. Yeah, um, just like making the vehicle thing slower so that it encourages consistent speed of vehicles who don't have people zipping through. They say, ooh, big wide road, I'll go really fast. Okay, that was it for my question. My colleagues did an excellent job asking a lot of great questions. I didn't have any others. And now we'll go around for a few more questions. Um, Commissioner Melman. Yeah, um, what is the speed limit on this road um, for the alternatives? Currently 40, but then after we do the road diet here, oh, go ahead. I mean, th with this project, we're not changing the speed limit on the road, but after we implement improvements, then um, at some point we're going to redo the speed survey to determine if the existing posted speed limit would st still be sufficient, would still be the, the, the speed limit that um, would be enforceable. Okay. Um, so far, um, um, I would like to see um, cross-section um, intersection treatments at the west entrance of Casa de Amigos um, because that's not really addressed on any of the slides, um, both for alternative one and alternative two, as well as a closer up version of the Vienna um, intersection. Um, this, the, this slide, I just I find it very hard to read and understand in terms of the intersection design. There are three major driveways. There is the Vienna crossing, which is a controlled signalized intersection. The second um, is the west entrance of Casa de Amigos, which um, is further down on the west side, uh, I'm sorry, east side of Tasman. Yeah, yeah that's north. That I'm sorry, west side of Tasman. Um, and then there's a another driveway for the um, apartment building um, just after the channel, um, also on the west side of Tasman. Then there is the driveway for the shopping center just after the, like a, I would say about 150, 200 feet after that driveway entrance for um, uh, uh, on the west side of Tasman. And then there's Tasman Court on the eastbound side of, uh, I guess, or southeast, I don't know how it would be, on the on the eastbound side of Tasman. So trying to determine whether I'm for alternative one or alternative two is hard because I cannot see what the intersection treatments are because if you're talking about a raised multi-use path, those are critical inter-conflict um, areas. And I would want to see the cross sections of that. I mean, you've addressed very well the the Fair Oaks and the Tasman portion of that, but I can't make a determination. Um, so my questions is like, how are the treatment? How are how are you going to adjust the grading on this alternative one at those areas of intersectionality? So um, the west entrance of Casa de Amigos, they can only turn right onto Tasman. Um, at present, pedestrians are literally crossing the light rail tracks to get to the, the, the sidewalk area that's been designated on the other side of the street. And it's also where we had a fatality and an injury. So um, 
So how are you going to treat the um, alternative one at that area, at the, the thing? I'm trying to visualize it. And, I, and, you know, do you have some sort of a picture to show how the intersection goes down to grade or something like that? Because or, you know, how are cars going to make that right turn out of that intersection? And it's the same thing with Tasman Court on the opposite side of the road. And then the same thing for the um, driveway entrance for the shopping center, where we already have cars intruding into the 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 driveway, uh, the right turn lane, to because what they're doing is uh, pulling out to get into the two left turn lanes onto Fair Oaks or into the straightway for Fair Oaks or um, so forth, because um, there's a blind turn just before that. And so in order to see vehicles coming down, um, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to see um, how, what your treat roadway treatment would be. And do you have any images for that? Yeah, for this, for this design element? So it would basically just be a, um, a typical driveway crossing. I mean, the, the, there'd be curb ramps uh, and the multi-use path uh, would drop down and uh, to street level and cross with a crosswalk um, to, uh, to cross. So I'm trying driveways. to imagine how car intrusion on, like, for instance, the west entrance of Casim de Amigos, how do you prevent car intrusion into that shared use path because they're going to be pulling out further to see, you know, cars coming down the traffic way on Tasman on the one lane to, to, uh, to, to get out. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd have to look uh, further at site distance, um, which would be part of the design uh, process um, to uh, examine site distance to make sure that there's uh, good view triangles um, okay. for, uh, for those movements. Okay. And um, how likely do you believe the county would be to permit um, reduction of a left turn lane on um, from uh, Lawrence Expressway onto Tasman if we're removing a lane. I mean, um, um, I'm wondering how big a fight we might have with the county to remove a left turn lane, especially with Levi Stadium and everything being a big deal there. I guess I'll see if Lillian or Tinwana answer that first. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm in. You know, uh, you, once if we approve both either design, okay, um, uh, and we say we want to do this, are we going to have to have a big fight with the county to remove a left turn lane onto? From, from I'm not sure about big fight, but um, one of the things that we're going to be, we are doing um, is to look at the intersection operations uh -huh. to see how it would operate with a reduction in travel lane, especially with the through lane and with the um, with the left turn lane. And um, for now, like what we have seen is that the the, op the intersection doesn't degrade to an unacceptable level. Right. Um, therefore, you know, at least in the, the analysis part, um, that's what we're going to be showing the county that um, from our analysis that it works. Okay. And then alternative one, could you go back to the Fair Oaks intersection? The um, Because I had a question about the light rail um, um, intersection change. 
So um, I know this area very well because I live here and uh, <laughs> and I commute past it to get to BPAC. So um, right now where you're proposing the new intersection, I think it's great, but there is a, a raised platform right there. So the current platform design on the VTA light rail is that it slopes down and um, goes and it makes the um, pedestrians... Uh, the people disembarking from the light rail do this sort of dog-legged jog um, down at the end of the ramp. You see that little acute left turn um, to get to street level. And then from that end of the ramp, they actually have to either um, go um, further left to get onto Fair Oaks or they have a pad which allows them to turn. Uh, there's a crosswalk, but it's further up um, towards the dog. So it sort of intersects with the dog leg section, the little island at the dog leg section. So my question is, is that right now you're you were part of the thing was minimizing light rail or eliminating light rail impacts. So I don't know because right now where you're proposing to put the crosswalk, that platform is a few inches, quite a few inches off the ground. So I'm not understanding how you would be able to put a crosswalk there without having to have VTA redesign that platform. Yeah, it doesn't start raising up until uh, a decent number of feet to the east of where we have it shown. So it's still at street level where we have the crosswalk shown. Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. The rail, the tracks are right there, actually, come to think of it. Okay. And I know the setback for that intersection right now is about 150 feet from the actual entrance to the intersection. Um, so the other question being is that um, where you're proposing the cars are vehicle stopping now if you're putting the crosswalk back there uh, that's a further setback um for the signal the signal loops i believe as well from what is currently in the roadway is it not no actually the the stop bar is basically the exact same location as oh, okay. Okay. there's already a large setback okay so they're there all right thank you so yeah I, I it's just that um the light timing is interesting because um one side of the street on fair oaks the intersection is right there and here the setback is about 150 feet so when the light turns green you actually have to travel 150 feet or so before you're actually in the intersection itself um so um i was just concerned that if the setback were further there would still be more of a problem where cars sort of get stranded as the light changes um as it happens now so that would be um something so okay and then the only other thing, I guess, is with alternative one, again, trying to figure out what the physical navigation is, because the driveway to the grocery outlet um, apartment complex is right there. And already you have cars that nose out into the sidewalk, into the roadway to see where vehicle vehicular traffic is coming up. The current roadway design is four lanes, so you're removing a lane. So then the question would be, again, there's potential for increased conflict with um, pedestrian cyclists in that strip there. And I'm just wondering how the shared use path would grade to um, prevent cars from sitting there waiting to turn. Um, and so um, I would want to see like a closer design element um, in the proposal for that. So um, yeah, it, it, you know, I guess that's my question is like, I would like to see a cross section of, of an intersection like that to see. So I have an idea visually what it looks like because I, I don't get it right now. 
Um, yeah, and, and you know, I do want to emphasize we're very, very early in the development of these concepts, and um, you know, there, there a lot more work will be done in terms of refining the design. I mean, there's there's not much you can do to stop a vehicle from, you know, nosing out in front of a, a sidewalk or or a shared use path. Um, I think that the best thing you can do is really provide a clear line of sight so they don't feel like they need to. Um, we're also extremely constrained on space there. Um, okay. because of the right of way. Yes, so there's I, not I a whole, yeah. yeah, not a whole lot you can do yeah. um, in that. In fact, the sidewalk kind of uh, does a weird thing there too. And then the last thing is with respect to cleaning a shared use path, the um, the Sharmel ash trees, I think they're called, uh, that are all along the street are big shedders of leaves. And so um, with respect to the city, um, how do you how do you guys take care of sidewalks and shared use paths? Because we don't have that many in the city. So, in fact, I don't know if we have any in the city that's a shared use path. Do we? A, a, a proposal of this type. I don't think we have any. So this would be a first in Java. Yeah. So how would we keep it clean? Google. Well, there's going to be a 2% slope where um, similar to sidewalk. So it's going to be 2% slopes where um, the 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 drain you know, it, it, like well that crack. takes care of liquids yes but but I'm talking like leaves wet slippery leaves just as sidewalk we don't we do not um we actually don't sweep um street sweep them right hand. yeah so with this kind of facility we won't be doing that as well so for shared use pads going forward um I I would want to know how we would keep them clean because. It's not just a sidewalk, it's a shared use path. So um, I would want to know um, as part of this project, how you would keep it clean. Because it's not a sidewalk, it's a shared use path, an alternative one. So we can't think of it as a sidewalk because that's not what it is. That's a good question. I'll, we'll check with our street operation for that. Yeah, because um, uh, like I said, I don't think we have any other examples in the city of this. So um, going forward, I would want to know how DPW would would maintain the safety and integrity of some of structure like this. Okay. Yeah, it's not a um, a shared use path, but there's some very wide sidewalks on Fremont and back of my house that are currently clogged with stuff. And the city has actually come and blown it off, swept it periodically. Yeah, and I know the overpasses they take care of, you know, the bicycle pedestrian overpasses, which are also shared use, they they take care of that. But um, there's no regular schedule involved, and this would be like a first in kind. So that would be mm -hmm. uh, a question of concern for me. Okay, is that it for your free question? I, I think that's it. And, you know, so we don't know what the speed limit will be yet. So after the project is proposed, we would do a study to determine what the speed limit would be. Correct. Right. Okay. And uh, the offset driveway alternative one. I think that was it. It was it's just mostly with alternative one with those conflict areas. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Vice Chair Beagle. All right. Uh, back with more questions. Um, so I'm guessing this is infeasible, but was there any consideration for having a single straight or like a combined straight and left turn lane from Tasman onto Fair Oaks? I'm kind of like grasping at like, how could we avoid this weird bicycle lane situation with alternative one? Um, I'm guessing you're worried about backups at the intersection if you have a combined left turn straight turn straight 
lane, but was that considered? <laughs> uh, we didn't specifically run that example. It would uh, require changing the intersection to a split phase where basically one direction and a TASMA would go and then the other. Um, because you have very long um, pedestrian crossing distances here, your flashing don't walk times are very long. So that would result in a really, really inefficient signal to go to that configuration. So uh, I don't, I can't tell you the exact results, but I would have guessed that it would um, result in a lot longer queuing and, and delay to, to go to that configuration. So what I'm hearing in this state is that because there's wide pedestrian crossing distances, there's not the ability to make narrower pedestrian crossing distances <laughs> no. the other direction. <laughs> no, the, the issue is Fair Oaks, the, the long crossing distances on Fair Oaks itself. But like, um, it's like it's like a chicken and an egg problem. You can't reduce the, the crossing distance on one direction because the perpendicular road has a wide crossing distance. And then you can like, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, um, I guess I'll see if uh, Louie or then want to chime in. But yeah, it's I mean, the concern is really just from vehicle operations. Um, okay. And at this intersection, another challenge is that we do have light rail that would make the chain, uh, make the turn as well. So at times, um, whatever signal timing to consider, we need to consider when light rail does come, does, well, so at times there's going to be more delay just because um, we need to consider um, the signal timing changes when, um, when there is a light rail present. Okay. But like when the light rail is turning, drivers on Tasman are not able to turn left or go straight either way yeah. because it's turning. Everybody stops. Everyone yeah. stops. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we could potentially make the queue much longer on so on Tasman if we make it into a through left share lane. So if it's really long but one lane, that could potentially add extra space for the bike and ped space. But you the just the signal timing really is the long. concern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would I'll leave it for a comment, but <laughs> um okay. Um was there any consideration for having raised crosswalks, like especially the one within the pork chop slip lane, like a raised crosswalk? Where the... Yeah, I think um, that's something that we could look at further. Uh, the concern with those is just truck movements or bus movements. In this case, not too concerned about bus movements, but truck movements. Um, but that's something that could be looked at further if, if there was interest in that. Okay. Um, and then on the topic of crosswalks, um, was there, uh, where's my question? Uh, so could the two crosswalks here, like the one in the, the pork chop slip lane and the one that's going to the light rail median, could that, like there was concern about like the spacing from other, some of my colleagues, uh, would it be feasible to like combine it into like one big mega crosswalk that like both gets to the pork chop and to the center median, like, is that? Tracks. Oh. Tracks. Interesting question. Yeah, I think I'd be concerned about just accessibility um, and how a visually impaired person would try and navigate something like that. Um, okay. Uh, one of the yeah. things we consider is that on the island, there are poles that are supporting the light rail lines overheads yeah, yeah. so okay. that's another constraint that we're gonna we are working with okay um and then uh, da, 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 I... 
So I think you spoke to this before, but you guys didn't consider putting for the alternative two bike lanes. There was it wasn't considered to put those at sidewalk level, or, or was that considered? Um, uh, no, that um, that hasn't been considered thus far. Um, I'll refer to Lillian or Tan if, if you want to find any context on yes. that. But so far, we have not looked at that. Yeah, I guess the follow-up question is there is like, would staff even be amenable to that idea? Like of the city, like, cause I, I don't think we have any at sidewalk grade bike lanes at the moment. Um, currently we don't. Um, so, so the two alternatives that we're looking at, one is both of them at a higher level elevation. The other one is, you know, it's kind of like the traditional sidewalk and then um, bike lane on the lower version, uh, on, on the lower elevation. So if you think about it, the two alternatives, as um, Adam mentioned, um, the first alternative, the cost is a lot higher just because we need to relocate the curb. We need to move everything in. We need to um, modify um, the drainage and so forth. So with the two alternative, um, with the cost estimate that we're going to develop for the, for, for the both alternatives, you can see potentially, you know, how big of a cost difference that would be. And I don't, you know, that could be one of the consideration in terms not not only not only does, um, how comfortable the, each of the facility would be, but cost could also be considered a, a, a consideration just because a lot of times it depends on how much funding we could get in order to make the improvements. But for both of these alternatives, we are going to be able to pro provide dedicated sidewalk and also bike facility for both directions. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add that, uh, I mean, Lillian's points are really good one. If, if you did really want to have separate shared or separate bike and ped and the one-way bike, you, you know, it's almost like a, just a minor design deviation of alternative one, where instead of you just stripe in a big, you know, you make the the left five feet or whatever green, and then you stripe an oil barrier and then you have the pedestrian. So from a cost standpoint, um, doing what you're referring to, raising the bike lanes would be pretty similar to alternative one. So if you're kind of looking at the, present constraints standpoint of cost, it might be beneficial to have the alternatives like we do now. So you can kind of see that range. And then if you decide that, you know, you'd rather have the separate facilities, then it's more of a design deviation of alternative one. Okay. I'll, I'll speak more to in my comment, but I, I just really like the way the Netherlands does the raised bike lanes that are on both there that are at sidewalk grade. Uh, I'll, I'll speak more to that later though. Um, then I have, I think I have one final question. Uh, so with alternative one, when you're turning off the bike path onto Vienna, uh, there's, I think this was brought up a bit before, but there's currently no way to make a left turn without like using the crosswalk as a bicyclist. I just get into the left turn lane white with the cars. Yeah, but like <laughs> it, there's no way because this, the shared use path is at sidewalk level. There's no way for me, a confident bicyclist to get from the bike path into the left turn lane, is there? Not right now. I mean, we could add potentially a bike ramp if that was something that folks thought was a good good way to make that connection. Okay. Um, and then, oh yeah, I wanted to ask about this as well. I, uh, Chair We I think, brought it up, but uh, the twelve foot travel lanes. Uh, you that that twelve foot number. I think you say stated was like like a minimum that you could fit for the whole uh, thoroughfare? Or was that like, was that like an estimate and sometimes it'd be less or like, what did that number come from with the travel? For lanes? the shared use path or for the uh, travel lanes? The, the yeah. travel lanes. 
yeah, for the auto, um, we don't want to go less than 12 because that does include the gutter width as well. Um, and then, um, you know, there's a raised uh, uh, barrier for the light rail and the roads curved. And so there's kind of a lot of things uh, for the drivers to navigate. And so while we certainly want to lower vehicle speeds, um, you know, getting too narrow could cause issues uh, for larger vehicles uh, through here. So uh, I think 12 is kind of what we set as the minimum given given that does include the gutter gutter pan width. So is the gutter on the, in the median or is it on the... For the no, sole? gutter's on the curb side, yeah. So, the, But the 12 well, feet includes the total width from the curb on one side to the curb on the other side next to the light rail. So for alternative two, this gutter is the bike lane or... The gutter width is included in the bike lane width, yeah. Okay. Um, and then why is there a... So if... If with the with the, the raised shared use path, then the gutter is then in the travel lane, as opposed to with the alternative two, the gutter is in the bike lane. Like it, it's moving a bit, but now that the cars, it seems like in all either alternative, it's a twelve foot travel lane, but it's okay with the gutter being in the the travel lane for alternative one, but it's not okay for alternative two. Or I'm kind of Kind of confused on this. Well, space. so I mean, the gutter is not; it's included in the width that we're providing. Um, you know, we wouldn't expect uh, vehicles or bikes to ride uh, over the gutter itself, but it's sort of included in the dimensions. I will note that in alternative two, we do have lane widths that are less than twelve. We go down to eleven in some locations because of that factor. Because in alternative two, the gutter width is included in the bike lane width. Um, okay. In alternative one, it's included in the auto width. So in alternative two, we do have less than twelve foot lanes in some locations. Okay, so for the sake of my understanding, uh, just what is what's the statutory minimum that the lanes could be? Like, if you were to disregard the 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 driver's comfort, like, and they are in the gutter, like, is is it a ten foot minimum, or like, what could be done? I think based on the speed limit of the railway and then the geometry of the railway. But the speed is going to be determined by a speed study after these changes, so. We're no, designing the road for the we'll, current speed. We'll go usually when we design a um a roadway, we look at the current speed, and then after that, and then for example, this is a big project. We're gonna have a road that, so that later on we'll go go back and then do the restudy of the speed limit. But um, mainly to set the road width, I think we look at the speed limit and then also the geometry of the the roadway. So I'm I'm a bit confused there because the speed limit has the potential to change because of the significant road diet, and there's going to be a steep speed study after these changes. So what's preventing us from having like a target speed limit? Like even if the official speed limit is determined by a speed study afterwards, what's preventing us from aiming is like okay, we want this to the speed study to result in a 30 mile an hour road. So we're going to design the lane width such that drivers drive that 85th percentile at 30 miles an hour. Like it, it seems like we're picking the speed limit or the, the design of the road for the current speed limit and not can, not aiming for a new speed limit with the new design. Like it seems backwards. So, so before we get too much into that, um, I do want to emphasize that on, on Tasman, um, it is a corridor that um, BTA typically has bus on it. So there is a minimum width just because um, there's there are buses that run on it. So we cannot go down to 10 because of that. So the minimum width is 11? With VTA bus, I believe so. Okay. Um, OK. 
Okay, I think that answers all my questions. I will have lots of comments, but. <laughs> okay, um, Vice Chair Beagle, I'm gonna jump in here because you actually were touching on some things that I really wanted to ask about. Um, I um, was wondering, so we could go down to an 11 foot um, width then for this lane is what I just heard. Um, I, I do need to verify, I do need to verify about um, DPS, like uh, public safety department, just to see how wide the, um, the fire, truck. fire trucks are, just because it's going to be a one traveling facility, yep. right? Understood. So that would be a constraint as well. And um, regarding yeah, gutters, I mean, right now, um, bike lanes are required to include the gutter as part of the width of the lane. So I think it's fair to have the gutter as part of the travel lane for cars too. <laughs> fair is fair. <laughs> um, yeah, so please do. Uh, I would like to get an answer because um, I really like the idea of let's design this and can we design this so that we can actually sort of dial in what speed we end up with rather than just leave it up to the you know cars to figure it out and make it really wide. Um, okay, uh, let's see, moving on. Um, Commissioner Dave. Turned it red. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the the an alternative to the bike lanes are buffered. What is the nature of the buffer? A stripe. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Dave. I have one more question. Um, have staff or consultants have you ever navigated a uh, facility like this with on a bike? So you know what it's like to experience this um, shared use path that's next to a, a road. Are there any cities that have this example? Yes, actually, Helsinki has a lot of this. And Moffitt Park Drive? Which? Mm, let's see. Moffitt um, Park Drive in... Oh, does Moffat Park now have um, some of these? Caribbean? Yeah. I think it's open. No, not open yet. No, but Moffat Park Drive, there is a portion like um, when we get come down on the bridge, on the pedestrian bridge. Which is elevated. I mean, it's a multi-use path next to a road. No, Moffat Park Drive. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I was just curious what your experience level was with um, actually feeling out how that actually felt. And then I'll, I'll reserve, I'll, I'll go wait for my comments to make my comments on this. Thank you. Okay. Um, we're done with. I just verify um, Moffat Park Drive is similar to this. Um, with a, um, a two way multi use mm -hmm. path next to. Correct. Nick, okay. Uh, elevated. Oh, actually, you're right. Next to the Burgess Bridges. There's that little section. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Thank you. Okay. Um, I will open the public hearing and take public comment at 8.11 p.m. Reminder to the public, please submit a speaker card to the staff liaison. Raise your digital hand now or dial star nine on a telephone if you wish to address the commission. I'll call members of the public participate in person first, and the staff liaison will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the commission. Speakers will have three minutes, and I see no one here present. Or do we have anyone online wishing to comment? Um, seeing none online. None online. Then I, I will close public um, comment at 8.12 p.m.
And now we have a discussion from my colleagues. Um, um, actually, I'd kind of like to finish off with our consultants and so they can leave and then we can have a break after this rather than having a break right now. Um, okay, so first off, uh, Commissioner Melman. Okay, it's my baby, man. <laughs> All right. Um, like I said, I'm I'm this early presentation, and I understand it's an early presentation, um, kind of doesn't answer a lot of questions for me, um, mostly because um, it addresses the major intersections at Lawrence and at Fair Oaks, but it completely ignores the, uh, well, it doesn't completely ignore, it gives short shrift to the Vienna intersection. I want to see the design of the Vienna intersection. I want to see how this it is addressed with the driveway. There's only, like I said, there's only three major driveways, west entrance of Casa de Amigos, the apartment complex west entrance, um, and the, um, sorry, that makes four actually, the uh, grocery outlet west entrance, and then the eastbound side uh, Tasman Court road. Um, those are the three major roads besides Vienna, which is a four-way intersection and it's signalized, so it's a little different. But I want to know um, what the design elements, especially with alternative one, looks like with um, those kinds of intersections. The other thing was, is I would have liked a, more of a close-up or a cross-section of Fair Oaks to see how the um, multi-use path and alternative one actually works like closer up like more of a uh, of a close-up thing because i'm still maybe i'm being dumb but i'm not getting it um the other thing is is that um if i was going to be making a recommendation for alternatives right now i think as much as I love alternative one with the shared use path, I'm gonna I would have to lean towards alternative two because my concern is is with those driveway exits that there will be too much car intrusion into those exits to make it safe for two-way cyclists and stuff like that. And cyclists really don't need to go two ways on this road. It, it's too difficult in terms of the section. Um, the pedestrians obviously can go either way on the sidewalk, and I would just be happy if if there were just sidewalks and no bike lanes, to be quite honest, because that's what's really needed is there's no sidewalks um, on both sides of the street. And that's what's dangerous, most dangerous right now. But, um, you know, in terms of the bicyclists, I think we are motor vehicles enough to go with the flow of traffic. I would just like to see um, more intersection um, design towards turning cyclists, um, especially since, um, Vienna doesn't have any bicycle infrastructure right now. So what I have to do is the weird thing of pulling out between all the temporary bollards on their, our little bicycle pedestrian strip and then getting into the traffic lane and um, getting into the left turn lane to turn into where I live. And then when I leave on Casa de Amigos, it's just um, from the west entrance, just watching to make sure I don't get um, nailed by somebody going 90 miles an hour um, around the curve. Um, the other thing is, is I think the roadway speed needs to be um, 30 miles an hour on the street, to be quite honest, or lower um, for the buffered bike lane option. Um, 
I, you know, I, I'm not that fond of paint as a protector, but I'd rather have paint right now than nothing at all. And um, and then certainly as soon as we can get the city to cough up the money for a um, street sweeper, which fits into bike lanes, we can make it into a class four bikeway, which is what it should be, because this is a major transportation corridor and um, it needs to be um, um, fixed so that cyclists and pedestrians can use it safely, especially with the two light rail stations right there. And then the other, the only other concern I have is with respect to right turns coming from Fair Oaks and right turns coming from Taz, uh, from Lawrence Expressway from the north-south direction, which are not right now permitted and which I think um, we should lobby to have them removed so that it is no right turn on red in any direction um, for both those intersections because the unless we're raising the um, cyclist, I mean, the uh, pedestrian crossing at that pork chop so that it's above street grade to deliberately slow cars down, um, somebody's going to get hurt there. Um, and because and I see cars making illegal right turns on red on Tasman all the time anyway. So um, if we make it four way, no right turns on red, I think it would just be safer for pedestrians all around. Um, and then whatever improvements we can make at um, Tasman and Lawrence to reduce the crossing distance for pedestrians, especially crossing across Lawrence, which is huge now, um, that would be wonderful. And um, we'd have to do it on both sides of the street, not just one, but um, right now I'll settle for one. Um, and and that's my thing. So right now, if I was going to lean for, towards you know um, anything right now, it would have to be alternative two because I just, as much as I like the design concept of alternative one, I just don't think it would be able to be designed to be safe enough for a multi-use right now. Plus we have the whole question of how do we keep it clean? <laughs> okay. That's it. Okay. I'm going to use my product here and insert. Thank you very much staff and consultants. I think you've done an excellent job just gra capturing this at the stage. I thought it was very well done presentation and I'm a very strong supporter actually of return of one because I've experienced it and it's very cool. And to address the um, concern about, um, you know, may, not having it safe, the really cool thing about a turn of one is that bicyclists don't have to stay on that multi-use path. They could use the lane and they could actually ride it. And I actually had an experience going across uh, West Virginia on a, uh, a highway that's 65 mile an hour speed limit with um, traffic. And because it went down at one point due to construction under one lane, I was able to take that lane and the traffic just piled up behind me and I didn't have any choice. And it was really slow and comfortable, nice and smooth. And it actually works really well for a bicyclist to occupy a single lane and just own the lane. If you really want to go like with traffic, uh, and then you have no issue. Um, the two-way um, on, uh, on the side, most cyclists will stick to that because it is so much easier and faster to not have to cross a difficult, it go down to like make a big U-turn to make the other direction. And you get a lot of wrong way traffic and you have much less trash on the um, facility alternative one and two, because with that grade that um, Ms. Zhang mentioned earlier, the trash just sort of flows down to the street. And with a bike lane, trash just piles up in the streets. So you have to have a street sweeper. But with a lot of sidewalks, just sort of naturally sort of floats off with the wind and with water. It just blows around and gets the trees. The leaves get blown around and then actually end up landing in the gutter. Um, if you take a look at the, um, uh, the uh, separated facilities in San Jose, the sidewalks are generally blown free naturally just through the air movement. 
and it all lands in the gutter. And that poor cycle path that you're trapped in is just covered with leaves. That's where the lowest point in the whole area. So that's where they all settle in. So not having that settling point is a big win just to automatically have the trash end up where the cars are and where the bikes and peds are. There really isn't much trash there, which is really cool. Another option is um, if it is alternative one and it's bi-directional, I could see the sound barrier fence actually maybe having some doors in it or being moved because then people say, hey, wait, I can just get out. I don't have to go to the two ends to go a long way around. I could just pop out easily and get onto the sidewalk. Backyard. No, it'll turn around. It'll become the front yard. So the actual people facing out onto this. Um, you see it happen on trails all the time. Initially, everyone says, I, no, I'm not going to have a gate there. But when you see the materials mature further, people start saying, oh, you know, I'd rather not have to walk all the way down the block to get onto that trail. I'd rather just hop onto it right away and get to where I'm going because it's faster and easier. Um, so having uh, these bi-directional, two-way, flexible um, areas are really fun. And again, Helsinki has a lot of them. Um, they're a fairly modern city. Um, I've run across them in a few other spots. I can't, in the United States, I've had a few spots, not that often, but it was, and Helsinki was at right in the city with really heavy traffic, which was just amazing to me. But when I experienced it, was like, why haven't we done this sooner? That's why I was asking if anyone actually tried it. And when you actually try it, it's like eye-opening. It's quite fun not having the trash, not having to worry about doors, not having to worry about cars. And then you not have to worry about going a really long distance. You minimize your distance. Um, and one option here is, well, in Helsinki, they actually do segregate it. They have a walking space and a biking space, which is why if we make the travel lanes for vehicles narrower and get as much width as possible on this, then you could have um, the pedestrians typically closest to the outside, as far from the fast traffic as possible, and the bicycles are closer. But that curb just makes a huge difference in keeping the bikes separate from the cars. So those are my comments, and now I'll move on to the rest by commissioner. Sorry for me jumping in there, but I had to say this because this is really exciting. I think this is a very cool opportunity. I have to show you the sound one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've ridden actually Tasman and that's this area, quite, not as much as you have, but I've ridden it quite a lot on the street. Um, commissioner Liu. Yeah, thanks. I definitely uh, would feel a lot safer as a cyclist to have the bike path raised by you know like six inches to the level of the sidewalk whether you do it in alternative one or alternative two that would make the biggest difference for me um so if in alternative two if that's what we go with i would prefer strongly to have that bike class two bike lane now raised to the sidewalk level um and I support the narrowing of the car lane to 11 feet, if that's the minimum we can go to. And the logic earlier that was presented by Commissioner Beagle made sense to me and Commissioner Wee, which was that in alternative two, alternative one, you said that the gutter was taking up some of the space of the car lane. Um, and that's why it needed to be 12 feet. Um, but then in alternative two, there's no gutter anymore in the car lane. So it doesn't need to be 12 feet anymore, yet you still put it at 12 feet currently. You could shrink it down to 11 feet. Um, and then also, Commissioner, we said that bike lanes are, you know, the gutter is considered part of the width of the bike lane. But, you know, with that logic earlier for the car lane, we should be increasing the width of the bike lane if we're uh, going with alternative two. 
than what it is now. So like in alternative two, you could shrink the car width to 11 feet and give one foot to the bike lane. Um, and then I support the no turn on red at both ends of this study area at Lawrence and Fair Oaks. That'll make it a lot safer for the active transportation users. And I like the idea of a raised crosswalk where possible, like it, all the driveways into the mobile home parks where presumably the cars are going pretty slowly through there anyway. So a raised crosswalk wouldn't really impede their travel. Um, so it would be great to do the raised crosswalk that'll make it safer for pedestrians and cyclists on Tasman that's crossing the driveways. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's, and I do, I do, um, well, I don't know. I'll defer to Commissioner Wee on this. I just don't know whether the dotted white line for alternative one in the multi-use path would make sense. I know like on Stevens Creek Trail, we have a dotted white line to separate the two directions. And I find that very useful. Um, as a user of Stevens Creek Trail and people are zipping by on bikes and going around pedestrians and pedestrians know to be on their side of the path so that zipping bikes zipping by won't crash into them. And I find that I find that um, the dotted white line helps with the safety that way. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Liu. Uh, Commissioner Dave. Um, let's see, um, my, I kind of wanted to start a discussion and I don't know if that's, this forum is the right thing, but, okay. um, my experience on Stevens Creek trail with smaller kids and a slower moving family is it's kind of harrowing to be on a mixed use trail with pedestrians and bicyclists, bicyclists that want to go faster. And we are, we were kind of in fear whenever you start to hear that tick 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 behind you it's like oh we better jump out of the way and it's just like not comfortable to me but i was wondering others experience and especially in this area are there a lot of people trying to bike as fast as they can to get exercise or is it more of a family thing there's hardly any people unless you're commuting <laughs> commuting by because by car no by <laughs> Okay, I think we ought to follow the rule. You have to get acknowledged by the chair before you talk. Yes. Otherwise, we're going to start, all of us are going to start doing it and we're going to have a disordered meeting. Yes. Thank I you, Commissioner Hafen. I certainly agree with that, Commissioner Hafen. Thank you. Okay, Commissioner Dave again. You're... I was asking for input on my observation that it's harrowing and wondering if that would be the case along Tasman or if that's more of a case because people are out on Stevens Creek looking to get. I'll make a comment first. Yeah. I've got a lot of experience in both these facilities. Um, yeah, on, on Stevens Creek, it is a recreational trail and you have people wanting to go fairly fast, which is kind of a conflict point. Um, with Tasman, it's a different nature. It's a neighborhood kind of thing. It's not a, it's not attractive to recreational cyclists. Also, um, if the cyclist does want to go fast, then they have the option to use the road. In fact, in Helsinki, that's encouraged that the fast cyclists just use the road. 
because they're like a vehicle, like a car, and they go quite fast. And e-bikes especially can actually keep up with traffic. So they just use the road. Um, it's the slower cyclists um, that are on. They just look, you know, going from shop to shop or house to house or just looking at the if there's artwork or whatever um, on the sidewalk and the trees or whatever. Um, they're going much slower because the facility just feels slower compared to the street. Okay, and then finally, my final two observations are like my my experience seems to run counter to statistics in that you say narrowing a road gets people to drive slower. I have not found that to be the case. I just found it to be is a lot closer to me when the cars are driving crazy fast. And when I take the lane, cars will go around me into the oncoming traffic lane to go around me. And I don't find that safe. But I guess in this configuration, they would not have that. That's an alternative in this case. Alternative. Physically cannot. So um, that helps me think about which alternatives I prefer. Thank you very much for your time. Thank and you. also wanted to say, this is so awesome that this is getting looked at. Thank you, Commissioner Dave. Vice, Vice Chair Beagle. All right. Uh, uh, first of all, thanks for the great presentation uh, from both staff and the consultants. This is a really exciting project. Um, and I, I have a large number of comments, so please bear with me. Um, so first, I'm happy to see the curb radii reduced at all the intersections. Uh, I would like to see it reduced further if those diagrams are accurate. I don't know if it can be reduced further, but they still look pretty pretty sweeping and wide and allow drivers to keep going pretty fast. Um, then uh, I would also advocate that right turn on red be removed from all intersections, all directions, both onto and off of Tasman. Doing so greatly improves safety for all forms of transportation, both pedestrians, bicyclists, and motorists. Um, I would like to see lighting looked at closer if it just hasn't been investigated. Maybe make sure that's adequate for the, new, the increased amount of active transportation uses. Um, I would like to see raised crosswalks wherever possible. They force drivers to slow down and signal to drivers that they're entering pedestrian space rather than having the pedestrian enter car space. Um, in the alternative one design, I would like to see a bike ramp allowing confident bicyclists to turn left from the shared use path into the left turn lanes, as opposed to having to deal with two phases of the intersection, both to get off, get across the, like across Vienna and then across Tasman. Um, then uh, even if it doesn't buy more space for the bike or pedestrian lanes, uh, I would like to, to I would like to see the width of the lanes at the minimum allowed, not the widest possible. Narrower lanes encourage drivers to drive slower and lead to shorter crosswalks. There's no reason that bike lanes can double as the gutter, but car lanes cannot. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of the bi-directional bikeway, bikeways and use lanes of alternative one on both sides of the street. I've used them many times in the Netherlands and they make biking so much more convenient and enjoyable. I don't have to cross as many intersections. Uh, I can stay on the side of the road that I want to be in. It, it, it just feels safer and more efficient to be a bicyclist. Um, and then uh, I'm a also a huge fan of the bike paths at side sidewalk level. They do a wonderful job of separating bike traffic from car traffic and increasing safety. Uh, and they keep the gutter in the street instead of in the bike lane. Uh, again, the, the Dutch do this fantastically and i would really encourage staff and our consultants to look into how the dutch use their raised uh, bike lanes um then uh i'm also a huge opponent of the uh the bike lane situation that alternative one is providing at fair oaks as a 
confident cyclist, I'm I'm literally never going to use it. I'm just going to use the travel lane. I will get out of the bike lane, hop the curb, and use the travel lane to go straight. <laughs> um, and then a a novice bicyclist is just going to be confused by it, and they're going to find it really dangerous. I, I don't think it's a satisfactory design. Um, and it's also going to really upset pedestrians when the bikers get into their narrow turn crosswalk area. It's, it's just, it's going to be a huge mess. I don't think it's satisfactory. Um, and then, yeah, if, if there's a way, a way at all to have the raised bidirectional bike paths or uh, yeah, raised bidirectional bike paths and not have the funky turn onto Fair Oaks, I think it must be explored. Like even if it removes some extra trees or requires that travel lanes to be restricted further. Um, if alternative two is cho chosen with the, the single direction bike lane on either side, I'd still like to see the raised bike paths. Uh, and it would allow us to avoid the issue. Like you could have the raised bike paths, but then still have the normal bike lanes at the Fair Oaks intersection. Uh, they could either be raised or it could at the intersection, they could dip down from being raised to the normal street level. But yeah, I really don't like that intersection of alternative two. <laughs> um, okay, that's all my comments. Thank you for your time. Thank you for putting up with my questions. Uh, I really appreciate the presentation. Thank you, Vice Chair Beagle. Commissioner Bonnet. Two comments. One, I would urge you not to design this uh, bicycle and pedestrian facility and then contemplate what the speed limit should be, but rather to have a speed limit in mind, ideally quite low, and in this manner design the street. We've heard repeatedly on both this commission and at the VTA committee um, that there are two main reasons why people who would like to bike do not bike. One is they don't feel safe, and two is the high speed of cars. Do something about both of those and you have a great opportunity here. Second, please do not consider the width of the, of the gutter in bicycle width calculations because in the conventional um, disjoint between the asphalt and the concrete, as is the case uh, currently on Tasman and on many streets here, the, the section right near the, the gutter is unwelcome for bikes. A debris accumulates there and the transition between asphalt and concrete is maybe at least half inch, perhaps one inch. And this gives the opportunity for a, a bicycle wheel to be uh, forced in a direction not in accord with the traveling of the bicycle, which could cause a, a sudden flip and, and fall. That's all, thanks. Thank you, Commissioner Bonnet. And actually I'd like to, uh, that juncture for bikes, that's actually dangerous for bikes versus a car, it's a little bump. It's not an issue, it's not a danger to them. But for a bike, it's very dangerous and causes a lot of crashes, including one of our fair um, chairpersons here, um, who's now our uh, council member, uh, Mellinger. He actually encountered one of those and fell and broke his arm. So we need to avoid those seams as much as possible. Uh, Commissioner Haithman. Thanks, Chair. Uh, I wanna thank everybody for the presentation. It really was thorough. I think maybe a lot of our questions were going into design work that hasn't been done yet, but hopefully you can consider all these points. Um, I would definitely favor um, option two. It cleans up the Fair Oaks mess a lot. 
And personally, I'm very comfortable on buffered bike lanes. Uh, I've never had any kind of issue on them. Whereas a path with pedestrians, I've both been on Stevens Creek as a pedestrian many times because we do walks out there, but also as a bicyclist. And it's one of my least places I like to bike. And I have to admit, you have to really be careful walking on it because bicyclists are trying to go places and somebody passing you at 15 miles an hour, two feet away from your shoulder is not fun. Um, so please uh, seriously consider option two with the buffered bike lane. I would like it to be considered to be raised, but only if we have a way to clean it. You know, if they raise it and we don't have cleaning equipment that can clean the a path, the bike path off, you've created a much more dangerous situation by having it raised with leaf, piles of leaves and other debris on that path. Um, and definitely pay attention to the intersections, especially if you're gonna do uh, option one, because that wide path with both pedestrians and bicyclists going both ways, Cars look a little bit for pedestrians close by, but they don't think about a vehicle going 15 miles an hour the wrong way. And that's what's going to happen if that ends up being the design. And a lot of people won't ride that fast, but I'm sure this is a commute artery and there's people trying to get to work. And if I was one of them, I would be riding that fast if I could, because I'm always late. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Hafen. Uh, Commissioner Melman. Yes, um, there is a point that I almost forgot to mention, which um, also makes me lean towards option two, as much as um, I fancy alternative one. And that is the fact that um, the manufactured home parks uh, need access to large trucks. And the reason why is when the new homes come in, they come in on flatbed trailers in two sections. They are huge. And, um, uh, a raised 12, uh, you know, first of all, the street would have to still remain 12 foot wide. Um, and then secondly, I think the turning radius with a raised um, multi-use path would be problematic um, for these vehicles coming into the parks. And they come in, at least they're changing out, um, you know, a couple, three houses every year um you know uh in the parks and so um that has to be a consideration the other thing uh, uh being fire trucks um and um commissioner we as much as i would love to have a, a gate to the sidewalk in my backyard um since uh <laughs> the sound wall is there i don't think everybody wants um bicyclists or pedestrians walking through their yards because uh, we're only 50 feet away from each other in our in our mobile home parks and the houses so the lots are actually quite narrow so um it would be nice yeah if i could just open my back door uh, you know go out my back door and get onto the sidewalk kind of thing but i don't think that's going to happen because nobody uh, is going to want to do that the other thing i have a concern about uh, is with respect to the Sharmal ash tree is, is that their roots are extremely intrusive. Um, we have had problems in the parks with uh, brick pavers being pushed up in our sewage system and stuff like that. So I'm concerned with the elevated pathway 
um, never mind, you know, just a regular sidewalk, is that these tree roots are very aggressive and fast growing. And um, so I'm worried about, um, uh, you know, the, the lumps and bumps like you see on some of the other streets of these tree roots coming up. Um, the because there is a like at least a six inch curb for the light rail line separating it from the actual street that's another issue with respect to the street width so i have a feeling we're going to have to go with option two only because having a buffered bike lane will permit the um, trailers on which the manufactured homes come in in their sections to be able to still go down the streets as well as for uh, the large-scale fire trucks. But that said, I want the speed limit reduced on the street because this is a residential street. It is not a um, retail area. It doesn't need to have high-speed traffic between the two roads. If, if cars need to go fast to get to Lawrence or to Fair Oaks, they can take 237. They could take 101. There's a bunch of other streets they can take. So um, the, you know, when we design this, however we design it, whichever alternative we select, the speed limit, it must be designed with a reduced speed limit in mind. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you, Commissioner Mellon. And actually to respond to the um, large trucks, um, Tasman is super gentle on its turns compared to the really tight turns you have in Plaza del Rey and Casa de Amigos, those cars to make it around the corners. Well, so, I'm just talking about getting into the gates of the, the complexes. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at that yeah. on this map. There's a lot of very tight turns inside, much mm -hmm. tighter than are on Tasman. Well, those are... <laughs> yeah, but the, the truck's able to navigate those. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Vice Chair Beagle. I too wanted to respond to the point about the trucks delivering the manufactured homes. Uh, so for Casa de Amigos, I presume that the combs do not come in through Vienna uh, because of there's like this arch entrance that's no. okay. Well, there's because it's actually more difficult to come in through the back, the west entrance. The Persian drive-in. Uh, yeah. okay. Please have your mic on when you speak. Okay. Well, I guess if if they use Vienna, I still feel like they could use Persian, but I think there are alternative ways for the. Uh, the manufactured homes to enter Casa de Amigos. Uh, it doesn't look like there's an, another entrance for the other mobile home park, but I, I think I think it could work, <laughs> and I would like it the it to be investigated. All right. Okay. It looks like we are done with our comments. Thank you very much for your time, and again, thank you again for the great presentation and your patience. Um, and I think now we'll take a um, five or think what time is it now? Five minutes enough? Or you want 10 minutes? It's 8.43, so seven minutes? Seven minutes. We'll be okay. back here at 8.50 to resume. Thank you. This yes. is going to be a long there is.
Let me know when we're live again. We're good? Okay. I'm going to call us back to order. Thank you for having a quick break. Uh, the time is 8.51 p.m. Uh, members of the public will now have an opportunity to address the commission on topics not listed on tonight's agenda. This section is limited to 15 minutes, may be extended or continued after the public hearings general business section of the agenda. Individuals are limited to one appearance with a maximum of up to three minutes per speaker. Reminders to the public, please submit a speaker card to staff liaison or raise your digital hand now. I'll call members of the public first, and then the staff liaison will uh, call on remote participants. I see no one in the from the public here in person. Do we have anyone online? Seeing none. We have none. Thank you, staff. Uh, since we have no speakers, I'll go ahead and close oral communications at 8.52 p.m. The next order of business is co the consent calendar. The time is 8.52 p.m. Go ahead and open public comment on consent calendar items. Members of the public wishing to address the commission, please submit a speaker card or raise your hand. Staff, do we have anyone present wishing to speak? No. No. I will close the public hearing on the consent calendar at 8.52 p.m. Um, that, that's I just did the public one, not the commissioner one. Okay, I will now ask for a um, if anyone wants to, does anyone want to um, have discussion on the consent calendar and pull the consent calendars for discussion? Okay, which item do you want to pull? Both of them? There's two of them. Yeah, Mike is, okay. Yeah, the minutes, um, the, the first one. Okay. The Jan, um, the January minutes. That's uh, are they They're early both January, but the first, first January. January, January. Yeah. Okay. So that one's pulled. We'll discuss that. Um, do we we have a vote in the rustic Senate calendar first, or do we do the old item first? I forget how that works. Sorry, I'm trying to remember. Um, I believe, I believe you have to pull it first. Well, we've pulled. I've just pulled mm -hmm. it. But then do we um, vote on the remaining in the consent calendar first? Yes. Okay. Um, Unless so, someone else would want to pull the second okay, one. Does anyone want to pull the second one? Okay. Um, may we have a roll call vote on the oh, uh, mo motion? Oh, oh, any motion? Okay, thank you. I have a motion. My lights off. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. Commissioner Melman. Okay. Um, so I make a motion that we approve the bicycle and pedestrian special meeting minutes of January 29th, 2024. I have a second. Commissioner Haifman. I second. Thank you. Okay. So um, let's have the roll call vote, please. Thank you. Okay. Bear with me on this one. Uh, Commissioner Dave? Oh, sorry. One second. There you go. Oh. Commissioner Dave? Abstain. Commissioner Liu? Abstain. Commissioner Bonnet? Yes. Commissioner Haveman? Yes. Vice Chair Beagle? Yes. Commissioner Melman? Yes. And Chair Owen. Yes. So uh, we have five yes and two abstain for this. 
Okay. So, Commissioner Liu, what uh, what did you want to say about the meeting minutes on the from? So I, I wanted to say they're much improved since the last time we reviewed minutes. Now, for part of the meeting, it's two way, which is great. Like I was reading it, and I could get all the content of what was described from the minutes. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, and and that's great. Um, it's still for certain agenda items in those minutes, it was still kind of one way, like uh, Commissioner Bonet's presentation for his study issue, that was one way. And so I would like to have it two-way for the whole meeting because um, I was reading it and um, I couldn't follow the meeting without having to listen to the video. But I was, you know, the point of the minutes is so that you wouldn't have to listen to the video. So, and then like there was one point where I had asked a question about um, how to get, this was like later on in the minutes uh, I had asked, how do you get an agenda item on the BPAC agenda? And then the minutes said that Ms. Tsang indicated there were two ways to do it. But it did. the minutes didn't say what those two ways were. And so I had to go and listen to the video to understand that. Um, so basically if you could put the content of the minutes in there. It doesn't have to be turn by turn. It doesn't have to be word for word. If it's easier, you can paraphrase it and you can just summarize it in a short paragraph instead of doing a turn by turn um, transcript of it, if, if that makes it easier. And that actually makes it easier for the reader as well. And then just put the all the content in there so um, the way we're doing a minute um, uh, is following directions from the city clerk's office, where it is an action-based um, minute, but not a um, prescript, uh, uh, not a full um, uh, documentation of what happened at the meeting. So that's why um, th um, that's the way we've been doing the minutes. But in terms of um, the 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 um, agenda item um, related to study issue. That one, um, every year, typically, we do have a more detailed um, minutes for that discussion just because of um, the sensitivity of um, how much information is needed to, to be translated to the city council. But otherwise, um, per the city clerk's direction, we are um, doing action-only minutes. That's why you don't see a lot of, um, a lot of the information that we, were discussed, but more so... Um, the action and some of the um, explanation of um, commissioners um, voting on it. So like Commissioner Bonet's presentation on the proposed study issue was considered not a action item and that's why it wasn't documented two ways? Um, correct. I do believe there was a mo an action that was taken at, for that. Um, so we documented what the action was. Um, okay. Um, and it just so I understand, is it a lot more work to do the two-way? Because you're listening to the recording anyway, and um, I don't know how much more work it is than to just type it in. 
Um, um, is, so I have a question. Can, can this actually be uh, just a conversation offline or does it need to be a part of this meeting? It, it might actually be a question that we need to coordinate with city clerk's office because that's the direction that we obtain from them and they want to make it standardized for all the board and commission. Okay. Okay. Um, do I need to open public comment uh, for this thing that was pulled? Is, is there anyone there in the public? Okay, uh, we we pulled the first minute, so now we need to have a motion to approve. Uh, unless there's any other comment on the minutes themselves, I need a motion to approve the first uh, January meeting minutes. Do I have a motion? Uh, here we go, Chair Beagle. I move to approve the Bicycle and Pedestrian Commission meeting minutes of January eighteenth, twenty twenty four. Thank you, Vice Chair Beagle. Um, Commissioner Melman. I second. Thank you. We've got a first and a second. May we have a roll call vote, please? All right. Bear with me again. This time I'll try something new. Hopefully this works. Uh, this one's there. Chair Oi? Yes. Commissioner Melman? Yes. Commissioner Bonet? Yes. Commissioner Dave? Abstain. Commissioner Liu? No. Commissioner Haven? I'll say it's much improved. I enjoyed reading the minutes this time. Yes. All right. By Chair Beagle? Yes. So um, the motion will carry with five yes, one no, and one abstain. Thank you. There we go. Um, the next order of business is public hearings and general business. Item number 24-0362, discussion on design concepts for the 2024 utility bill inserts. Is there a staff report? So um, for this item, staff have attached some of the previous uh, bill insert uh, in the agenda packet at the sample for commissioner to review and then Max suggestion. So for tonight, uh, it's up. It's more of an open discussion about the design for bicycle, pedestrian, oriented uh, utility bill insert that will be scheduled to be sent out to Sunnyvale residents in July or August 2024. And um, I wanted to add that um, uh, because because uh, I believe their commissioner Nui um, Liu is the first time going through this process. So I just wanted to clarify. So tonight we wanted to gather some inf input from the commissioners such that um, we would know, we have some kind of idea of what type of insert we could prepare. And, um, and for future meetings, then we'll bring back some kind of concept. And usually, I believe we do a concept of a front and a back. Do you want me to share the screen on the screen of the previous one so we can see? On no. the commissioners want to uh, look. Have they already? Hopefully, everyone's already looked through the different designs. Does anyone want is it shared on the screen? Or are we okay? 
I would like to see them on the screen. I've been having problems viewing any of the agenda attachments for some reason. Okay. Yeah, thank it. you. Please bring them up on the screen. We just and would you like them them quickly? Just browse through them quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and share the screen so we all can see it. Like logged out and logged back okay, in. So um Okay, so this is last year. This one and then this one front and back. And this and the, the two years ago. This one and this one. Yeah, sorry, it's not in you know, right July, but yeah. So I think we go back to like five, six year. So the idea we want to tell the Sudbury resident something about bicycle or um, pedestrian, mostly. Um, and then with the limited wording. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Uh, for this, I'm actually going to do the public hearing comment first to see if we have anyone, and then we'll go to just the right to discussion and sure. get quicker. Um, so the time is 9.05 p.m. I will go ahead and open the public hearing on the specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the commission, please submit a speaker card to the staff liaison. Use a raise hand feature now or dial star nine. Um, staff, do we have anyone wishing to speak um, in person? No, no one in person and then seeing none online. Okay. It's 9.05 p.m. I will close the public hearing and I will take uh, first commissioner comments, Vice Chair Beagle. So just for quick clarification, uh, we are proposing ideas of what could be on the utility bill insert. That's correct? Okay. Yes. Correct. Okay. I would like to see a utility bill insert explaining the upcoming changes of AB413, uh, where cars can no longer park in or near a crosswalk. And I would like that explained to residents so they understand the changes that are coming in January of 2025, and also explaining what designates a crosswalk because it is for both marked and unmarked crosswalks and I would like the residents of Sunnyville to understand these upcoming changes. So it would be in this year even though it's for next well, year. Yeah it's going to be effective. It's going to come out July and August and it'll be like okay in four months this change is happening. Or, okay. Okay. Um, anything else? Uh, that, that's my comment. Commissioner Hafman. Yeah I also have a new one that I'm proposing, and that is an explanation on how a class 3B is supposed to work. In other words, what rights do cars have to get around a bike, even though there's a double yellow line? Can you make left turns into driveways across that double yellow line? And also explain to bicyclists that they can ride freely on the lane and that cars can pass them on the double yellow line, maintaining the three foot, three foot wide distance. Maybe I'll learn something here because the discussion we've had late last year on the class 3B is confusing to everybody because I think on driver's tests, you are told you can never cross a double yellow line. Now that's on state highways. Maybe that doesn't apply to streets, but that's what we need. I would learn something. And I think the citizens of Sunnyvale 
would know how to deal with these class 3B bike lanes, which are starting to show up now throughout the city. Anything else, Coach Shape? No, that's it. Thank you. Commissioner uh, Dabe. I would like to see an explanation of the green bike lane when it becomes uh, like a intermittent green and regular pavement. Number of drivers have asked me what happens there. And they asked me, are those parking spaces? There's a lot of confusion. So. Um, Stripey green. Yes. Um, maybe include that as part of the explanation of class three. Okay. Anything else? Oh, that's it. Sorry. Thank you, Commissioner Tabe. Commissioner Liu. Yeah, I'll start off with a couple of questions. Is that Commissioner Melman there? Yes. That's pretty cool. You're a celebrity. Um, and then I have another question about an existing, uh, one of the past uh, utility bill stuffers. It. I think a couple of them said contact BPAC at this email address if you have any concerns, but I don't know. That seems like we're directing the public to a dead end because they may express a concern, but then they can't get any response. And so that doesn't do anything for the public. Is there a way we can respond to the public? Um, I don't believe there's a way that BPAC could respond to the public, but depending on what the um, questions or concerns are, um, staff, I mean, if it's related to a, a specific project, staff will send, um, send it to the appropriate staff to respond. Okay, then I think if we can't respond to the public, we probably shouldn't put it in the stuffer because it's just a dead end for them. We should you know, maybe something else, maybe tell them to access Sunnyvale through access Sunnyvale. Hey, just for clarity, um, to access Sunnyvale is for operational issues. If they want to make policy changes, that it should come to us so that we can think about it and have it in a future gender. It sparks an idea for a study issue that we then propose. Yeah, but then we really should respond and, you know, be able to give them our response. So I know the council's currently looking into if commissions can respond to the public because other cities like commissions respond to the public. Uh, so I do have a couple of ideas for stuffers. So, um, and this is, I get repeated questions from the public about this. They want to know how can they get their bikes repaired. And so it would be nice if we could advertise our free bike repair events at the library that happens every second Saturday of every month from 11 a.m. or is it 11, something like 11 to 1.30. So um, that would be good to advertise. And then I also get repeated questions from the public, where can I buy a new or used bike? And we can just, I don't know if it's allowed, but if it is, we can um, point them to various local businesses and also shops that specialize in selling secondhand bikes. Um, like community cycles and karma bikes. And then a third thing that I think would be great to advertise in the utility bill stuffer is to, because I also get repeated questions about this from the public, 
is about the Safe Routes to School program in Sunnyvale. They're interested in getting involved and helping with it, and they want to know what's going on with it. So it'd be great to advertise the Safe Routes to School program and uh, have them contact Maria Ariano, since she's the coordinator, if they want to get involved. Um, and also this way, a lot of people don't know about the Safe Routes to School program. So this way, the people will know about it and that it exists. And then that way they might want to get involved and they'll know about, about it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Lou. Commissioner Bonet. One comment on the three main causes for injury collisions in Sunnyvale. I think it's a great idea to list them. I wonder whether it could be put more in vernacular language rather than um, traffic, legal, um, more official traffic uh, violation descriptions. Unsafe speed, just call that speeding, for example. Right of way violation, I think that needs some, that needs some wordsmithing that may be hard for uh, most people to understand. If it's running a red light, Cite some examples. <clears throat> and three, you can shorten, if you want to, um, if you are in need of more space here, shorten the third one to DUI. Right? Everyone, I think that's a very commonly understood acronym. Otherwise, it looks very good. Thank you, Commissioner Bonet. Commissioner Melman. Um, I think as much as I live the bicycle repair events and stuff like that, I think we're precluded from um, advertising um, third party, um, and in this case, not city sponsored um, things on our insert. So I don't think we could, since Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition. Actually the library. The library, oh, the library event. It's, it, but that's a, a okay. It's supported by Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition, but the library is running it. Okay. But we wouldn't be able to do private businesses, probably. Right, right. Uh, you know, as much as like get to know your local bike shop kind of thing or something yeah. like that. Um, um, I'm almost wishing we had like how to change, uh, you know, a, a, an inner tube or something like that. You know, we could do like step one, step two, step three with pictures or something like that. But I That's think that more would involved be... than an I, I understand. No, no, no. That it's it's the wishful thinking on my part because I think, uh, you know, um, I like being a reminding people that the BPAC is here and that, um, you know, come and attend the meetings. I'm kind of sad that we had nobody online and nobody in person um, this time around, um, especially for something like the, the Tasman quarter project. But um, so, um, you know, I, I like the insert uh, reminding people to BPAC, please come and attend and, and let your voice be heard because that covers things like, active transportation plans, safe routes to school, everything else that's going on. Um, and so um, that would be one thing. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, texting and driving, you know, it's between texting and driving and the right hook prevention, it would be the other side of the, the insert that I'm most interested in because I don't know how many times we've almost been right hooked. Although I like Commissioner's Deve comment about what is that little hatched green thing means when it crosses the street? What is a car driver supposed to do? That's a good education point. And I kind of like that. So, you know, can can we please, you know, educate people about what does it mean when the bike lane all of a sudden gets stripey and crosses 
the road? What What is a driver supposed to do? What is a cyclist supposed to do? And I think that's a good point. Thank you, Commissioner Melman. I'm going to chime in here. I, I do like um, Commissioner Dave's idea about the stripe pieces. Uh, and I also like um, uh, Commissioner Haifman's note about double yellow lines. What does that mean for me? Maybe those two could be um, one side. And I also like Commissioner Melman's idea. We do, um, I don't think the public knows why the BPAC exists and why it's you know important for them. We get more people here. So I really like promoting the BPAC and why it's important and what we do to try to attract people. Yeah, and so in fact, we already have um, some that are already done. Maybe we just right. mix them up again. Um, we have a lot of great, we actually got a lot of great content here we could reuse in the future, also depending on what is currently a hot issue we see happening. We don't even have to invent something brand new all the time. So um, we'd almost want a kid in the picture rather than an adult or a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so very family oriented, um, friendly, which gets a little bit of safe house to school. Lots of options here. Um, so before I go back around for other comments, um, staff, how much direction do you want today? So keep in mind that we have a front and a back, and um, the size I don't remember entirely, but um, I think it's like three and a half by it's a third of a page, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we would like to obtain from the commission is two. So if it's something that you know we could use, we could do that but then at the same time um to have two new ideas so that we could design the front and the back or it could be one big idea that we go front and back and then um the next time we bring it to BPAC then BPAC could review them and then um decide if they want to go with the newly created front and back or choose one of the ones that we have already done in the past mm -hmm. I have a suggestion. I'm going to go back to the so I have Commissioner Liu next. Yeah, um, I just got a new idea from listening to you all. So maybe publish uh, um, the upcoming transportation projects and indicate when the BPAC meeting is and when the city council meeting is on it. And then people would be aware like Tasman Drive is coming up. Um, Commissioner Melman. Yeah. So my design suggestion is I like the, um, the big picture and the fun Sunnyvale B pack for the front. I would like to see a family, especially a family of, uh, non-Caucasian people, um, on bicycles or something like that as the picture. And then, um, because I want to, that looks too much like somebody who's like a, a fitness enthusiast person. And I want to see like a more casual kind of thing. So that's my suggestion for the front. And then for the back, I'd like to combine Commissioner um, Bonet's and Commissioner Dave's idea into know your lines or, or you know, um, 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 line up. Or we could have a title thing saying line up and then what the double yellow lines mean and what the stripy green lines mean like two boxes does that does that make sense okay i, I like the idea okay vice chair beagle uh, okay i'm going to advocate for the ab41 thing 413 thing again um i i expect the city staff to be inundated with questions starting in january if the city starts enforcing that um and i think it would behoove us to 
get it out of the way and like raise public awareness about these changes to put it to crosswalk spaces ahead of time, four months in advance, or I guess four to five. Uh, just get it out there. It's, it would be an eye-catching way for people to look at the for one side of the the insert. Like, oh my god, I'm losing my parking spot. Uh, and then they they actually look at the piece of paper and flip it over. And then on the back, there could be something related to bike safety or bike education. Um, but I don't know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Commissioner Liu. Yeah, I I do support publishing this AB413 idea, um, but I think, and, and that's fine. Uh, to do that, the city, I think, needs to figure out how that 20 feet is measured. So I would recommend, if you have the leeway to measure it to its maximum, like where are the intersections, as you approach an intersection, when the curb starts to curve, that's where you start measuring one end of the 20 foot and then go back 20 feet from there. That would be how I would do it for a unmarked crosswalk. And then obviously for a marked crosswalk, you would do it from 20 feet from the cro marked crosswalk. And staff, I have a question. Do we know how we're going to go about enforcing it? I wouldn't want to publish something until we actually know what we're doing. So I feel like it'll probably have to wait till next year when we actually have figured it out and then it's actually being implemented because there'll be a grace period. Um, and I could see that actually being like a year long possible grace period that people really sort of sort it out. Okay, Vice Chair Beagle. So there's already been a year long grace period. Uh, it's starting this year, starting January of this year, the grace period is warnings only. And starting January of next year, it can be enforced. Like there's already been a year long grace period. Um, in response to, does the city know what they're doing yet? That That's obviously the biggest concern. Um, and it depends on the timeline. Like if by the time these inserts need to be finalized and it comes back to the commission, uh, which actually might just be one month away, that could be a deal breaker with this being on the insert. Uh, but if the timing lines up, so the city has figured the, what they're going to figured out what they're going to do before these inserts need to be finalized, uh, I, I would like to see that. But obviously, if the timing doesn't work out, then it's a moot point. Okay. Thanks, Vice Chair Beagle. Vice Chair uh, Commissioner Melman. Uh, question: Please remind me um, what uh, time of year are we actually distributing these inserts in the mail? So they are distributing, being distributing in July, August timeframe. Right. Um, and so we have to finalize them. Wise, yeah, because of, all, you know, the printing. So we need to send it out to print and we need review process and so forth. So um, I believe we need to, on the agenda, we are bringing it to be back next month to finalize them. Okay. So it, it appears... I, I agree with you. I think that it would be a good idea in terms of an educational um, opportunity, but it appears we don't have sufficient time um, to finalize our insert before the city actually decides how they're going to implement AB um, 4, 483, 438, 413. I knew there was a three in there somewhere. Thank you, 413. So um, regretfully, we're kind of stuck um, on that, but that doesn't mean that we couldn't do like um, a web page campaign or something like that, um, perhaps in addition to that. So, 
Okay, Mike, should I be going? Okay. Uh, so I, I guess maybe one more question here. Are we set in stone on when these need to be distributed? Like we people, I presume, get a utility bill once every month or once every two months. Could it be a different month? No. So this has been set previously. So because um, there's only certain number of insert that could be in, in, attached to the utility bill insert. So basically um, different departments get assigned a different month. Perhaps another department would like to switch with us. <laughs> but okay, I'll drop it there. <laughs> okay, um, staff, any other questions? I have no more comments. I do need uh, more clear directions in terms of which two we're working on. So I think we're headed toward um, what uh, Commissioner Melman was indicating, one about the BPAC. So it's a refresh of one of the existing um, about the BPAC with a, a family-friendly picture of people, you know, of family someplace in Sunnyvale, just so that people understand the income to BPAC meetings. And the other side was um, the lines. Um, it could be like the merge lines where you have the, uh, the dashed green and then the double yellow line. What does that mean for a cyclist? So they've got those two concepts. If we can think about you know, watch your lines or something, toe the line. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so when can people pass on the double line when there's a cyclist ahead of them? Um, and and if, there, if, if you, when you're working through this, that could become the focus if the, the dashed line is just too much complicated or the dashed lines for um, when you're turning or what, what, what does the green paint mean? Um, we have that a little bit, but um, a lot of uh, cars still don't realize it's supposed to merge into the bike lane. It's the right turn lane when it becomes dashed. They don't get that. They just wait. So I think it's merged behind the cycle. It's not cut. You know, do a, we have actually some versions of that. It just doesn't show the, uh, the uh, why we have green paint on the uh, um, road. I think those are the two that seem to be gelling with at least a few of us. Are those, is that enough direction? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, we got some more people speaking here. Um, Vice Chair Beagle. All right. Um, so I actually disagree. <laughs> um, I don't think we should devote a whole side of the insert to just, look, it's the BPAC. I don't think the average citizen is going to get much value out of that. Um, I, like, I, I know that we like to think that our commission is important and that if if people knew of our existence, they'd also find it important. But I, I don't think most people will. I, I think the there we have a, <laughs> I think it, we have limited square inches on the, this insert and it would be better filled with an education thing. And then maybe a little corner can be like, oh, by the way, there's a BPAC. You're depressing. Um, <laughs> you are seriously depressing. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we should toot our own horn for a whole side of this insert, which we haven't tooted our horn in a while. We just <laughs> toot it once in a while. <laughs> but that's my okay. opinion. I'd rather it be an education piece. On okay. both Thank you, Vice Chair Beagle. Uh, Commissioner Liu? Yeah, I agree with Commissioner Beagle. I, I, um, that first side with the BPAC, I, I also agree that with Commissioner Beagle that the vast majority of the public do not care even if they knew we existed um the public they don't want to most the vast majority of people don't want to work on city policy <laughs> and that's what we do um 
and I think we're important too, and I really enjoy it, but I'm, I'm not the vast majority. Um, so instead, I prefer to do something like what I suggested, which is to advertise the bike repair events, which is a city sponsored event, and that would be beneficial to the public and um and or and or advertise the safe house to school program because that's also beneficial there's a lot of people with families and kids and they would like to i i've had people approach me and and anyway that's the that's a good direction for the city to be moving in is to encourage better safe routes to school yeah unfortunately we don't have a, uh, a safe house to school landing page right now we're, we're just missing content in that space for it to point people to, mm. fortunately. Um, Commissioner Dave. Uh, yes, so I wanted to ask more about the um, three main causes of injury accidents. Would your idea of presenting that to the public be to just make them stop doing these things? I mean, is, is this, uh, it's sort of like a half an idea to me and I wanna follow through with more like, what what's the um, follow through on that? Yes, to repeat myself. Mindfulness. Okay, Commissioner Melman? Yes, I think the idea is, is mindfulness. It's more of an education of, of drivers and pedestrians as well. Um, as you can say, be alert when crossing and that kind of thing. But um, uh, the BPAC is important to people when we have items of importance to people before us, like you know, last month when the whole issue came up with the school crossing. Um, so, you know, people find us when they realize that there's something they can be involved about. Um, so I really dislike um, downplaying us as, you know, unimportant or people are not interested or anything like that because we're not educating them that we're out there and what we're doing. So that's like saying city council is unimportant because most people don't know who their city council person is. You know, um, it, it bothers me a lot um, when you say when when we um, sabotage our own selves in, in that manner. Um, and so I think, yes, it is important to let people know there is a bicycle and pedestrian advisory commission that we're out there looking at safe routes to school and looking at intersections and looking at, you know, um, by people walking and bicycling and, and trying to make things better for people around the city. So um, that said, um, in terms of the um, uh back i you know whatever you guys want to put on the front you know uh, i'd be interested in here but i definitely think we need the uh toe the line or idea or whatever is or know your lines or read your lines actually i'm yeah i'm gonna go just for a quick uh yeah. show of hands just to get a sense for the toe the line this is not a formal motion but just a, the toe the line thing where we talk about double lines and the right. dashed lines right are people generally in favor of that for one side so yeah. just raise your hand yeah Okay, so yeah. I think we've got that's one side. Right. Try to go, you know, with the lines, come up with the content there. Yeah, like a, a snazzy yeah. logo and then the two content. Two alternative proposal for um, the other side. We do want to get more people walking and biking. And climate change has come up recently a lot. And we have this family picture. So this um, walk or bike instead of driving, do it for your kids kind of thing, which gets a little bit of safe routes to school and get a family picture on the other side. Mm -hmm. So it's very inviting saying, we want to solve climate change and make the world a better, make our community better for your kids, for our families by walking and biking. 
So there's a, um, did you bring up the uh, one that has a walk or bike instead of driving that had uh, Commissioner Melman and actually one of our other former commissioners, Swale, was up there too, and Ari Feinsmith. Um, so we could have a photo shoot and try to get a family at some Sunnyvale scene and uh, basically massage this language to be something, a new way of trying to attract people to walk or bike in Sunnyvale. So it's just a very positive message. Um, do I have commissioners interested in that approach? at all yeah okay we got okay commissioner lou um can we can we indicate the free bike repair on that to encourage them because a lot of people don't have bikes that are in disrepair one thing about the free bike repair is the library already does outreach and there's some advertising and for svc and for the bike um the library but this so goes this to is, everybody um, this like I don't, I know everybody see, gets an individual bill. Yes. Yeah. I never yeah. see the library outreach one, for example, I, I only hear it through SVBC, but whereas this, I look at my utility bill insert. I don't think that many people actually look at the utility bill, quite frankly, Yeah, but a lot. Uh, but it is very useful for us to hand out at um, other, like at um, bike to a wherever day, you could actually have mm -hmm. a stack of these to hand out to advertise Sunnyvale. That's maybe a little soon in June or July, but you could build up something, you could hand them out um, for the following year. <laughs> um, or at any, uh, if staff ever does any outreach at workshops that we have, um, they could just use it as other advertising, not just the utility bill. How about just pamphlets at the front desk, you know, here in City Hall? <laughs> Do we have pamphlets about any of this? Do we use these at all other than just the utility bill stuffer? I might have to go back and look. I recall creating some of them when we um launched the hawk signal on el camino yeah mm -hmm. um because we created some of those to distribute so to educate people how to use the hawk um other than that i believe we haven't created anything lately yeah, because if we could get some of these previous designs just printed on cardstock, there's no reason why they couldn't just be on a, you know, an insert at the front desk here at City Hall or something like that. Or you just um, have a little display board that you move around to different events so you can show things off. Right. There's, there's a lot of great work you guys have put into these uh, displays that we'd like to actually show them off more, basically. It's yeah. true. Just just FYI, um, so these ones that get printed to the um, to be attached to the utility insert, we only print the amounts that would be mailed out, so we don't actually do, we don't actually have extra for these. Is there a specific budget consideration in terms of utility bill inserts that we're limited to? There is um there is a set amount based on the addresses that will be um that we are mailing out. Okay, so mm -hmm. this sounds like something we would have to actually forward to the council and ask them for um as part of community outreach or something or the communications department um for for that um we could get some of our previous utility bill inserts printed out on cardstock so that they can be distributed or displayed or something like that at city events. Um. I'll have to talk internally to see if there's any budget budgeted for it. Well, if you could, yeah, I imagine that would fall under some of these, the, the, um, well, the this is something else we can, yeah. yeah. And, and anyway, we need to decide yes. on the second side. Yes. Sorry. So this other side, um, we could do this walk or bike instead of driving and just pump up the family. Um, I want to see kids in the picture. Kids in the picture. 
little kids. It's yeah, it's not. It's pretty generalized. It's just trying to attract people to do it and hopefully give them a reason. Do you have any pictures, Tim, of any of the little kids learning the the bike gymkhana kind of stuff or whatever? I do have a lot, but I'd, I'd actually like to do a photo shoot, I think, for this. Yeah, because um, we'd have to get permission from... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, like we did the photo shoot for with the commissioners in that case. And I think right. we could actually... Um, maybe actually work with Maria Ariano, see if we get a photo shoot going uh, with some kids. Or we just ask the public. You have to get that by next meeting, you said. Is that correct? We, we need... I yeah. think that's, that's a little tight, but yeah, it's doable. You can put your baby in a or, trailer. I mean, we, there's stuff photos also. <laughs> we can look at oh, yes. Sorry. Here, go ahead. Uh, Commissioner Dave. Um, I propose th that we could use a quarter of this insert to alert people to the BPAC and the library repairs and still have three quarters to enlighten them on other subjects. Uh, Commissioner Haifman. Yeah, I think we should take a vote on the ideas that have been presented for the front page. I think we're settled on the second page. And the front page, I mean, I like the I I'm personally like the idea of of um, the walk walk or bike instead of driving. It's more that kind of a message than a message of BPAC. But down mm -hmm. at the bottom, there's a little thing about BPAC. Um, so on that vein. Could I just have a show of hands versus a formal vote on the walk bike message yes. with the family picture? That's what I like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait. What are the options? What do you mean? What are the options? It's uh, we have just a generalized walk bike message, similar to what we have oh. with a family picture. But is there an alternative, or is that we just vote on that? It's just seeing how many people support that as the second page or as the front page, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Sorry. So we have four or five. Okay. Six. We'll, we'll come back with concepts and then hopefully we'll have something that uh, staff, I think we've got the two themes. Okay. One specific friendly. about infrastructure. The other is more general inviting with a picture and I'll work with staff to see how we can get a, a good family photo set in Sunnyvale with someone who signs off and says, yes, we can use their picture. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I've got to bring my agenda back up. Okay. Um, whoops. Sorry, I lost my place here. Okay, next business item on the agenda is item number 24-0363, discussion on projects for transportation development act TDA article three application and staff. Is there a, is there a staff report? Okay, so on this item staff have prepared a presentation to go with some of the potential project that we could use TDA fund on uh, TDA article three uh, fund for. Give me one second. Let me go ahead and share my screen.
Okay, so the agenda for for this is we talk. Uh, we're gonna um talk about TDA Article Three funding for fiscal year twenty four and twenty five, and then we're gonna give you a list of potential projects that we could use the money for, and then the tonight objective. So um. So what can TDA funding can be used? So in this agenda, we did attach the. Um, uh, we did attach the um the resolution for TDA uh Article Three, um so we could use the money for design and construction of bicycle pedestrian capital, or quick build project. Or we could do secure bicycle parking facility in high use activity area, or we could do restriping class two by bicycle lane. And then how much? Do you guys wonder how much money uh, do we get? Annually, so annually we get one hundred forty k a year based on the sale tax that we got. Um, okay, and then this is um, and then this uh, and then um for this year. Uh, what did uh, for last year? Uh, what did we use the TDA funding money? So in June twenty uh twenty 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 three, council have made an action to file application for fiscal year of twenty twenty three and twenty four, TDA Article three funding for the design phase of the installation of sidewalk on Poplar Avenue. Um, total amount of that is one hundred sixty thousand dollars, and then. Um, bank the remaining fund, which is a hundred, a hundred seventy six thousand dollars, uh, hundred seventy six thousand six twenty, uh, six twenty um dollar for construction. In February sixth, uh, early this year, twenty twenty four, uh, council reaffirmed the action that we um do, uh we want to reserve the future TDA allocation for construction of the project. And then how much do we have now? So we have currently, as I mentioned before, a, a roughly 100, 177K in the bank. And then this year, um, we're going to get approximately $140,000. So here is um, project, potential project we could use the money for, like I had mentioned earlier, council have um, reaffirmed that um, this project installation of sidewalk on Poplar Avenue near Peterson Middle School. So the design, we already get the money um, for it. Uh, so we want to um, use the money um, for uh, the construction of this project. Secondly, um, last year um, we have that uh, homestead row uh, full-time bike lane uh, project that approved by council. Um, but also this year, um, this is a small, I would say it's a small potential project we could use because currently Cal Water, they're doing the project between uh, Wright and Kennewood. So they mess up uh, the striping out there. So right now they will be restriping um, uh, the road. So we, we were thinking we could use this chance uh, with additional money to install no parking anytime and uh, slash bike plan between Wright and um New uh, Brunswick uh, Avenue to marking as needed. 
So um, so the cost estimate for this um is around thirty thousand dollars, and then it uh recommended uh to use the TDA fund, and then this also is an ATP as well. Next, this is the home the four homestead bike lane um that I have mentioned earlier. Uh, so the description of this is the design star, right? No parking anytime bike or bike lane. Uh, slash bike lane size and install bu buffer bike lane and roll that where possible. So um, so yeah, this is an ATP and then it is recommended to use TDA money for. So so we did the estimated cost. Um, so the design for this it's a hundred, a hundred ten uh thousand dollar, and then for construction is gonna be five hundred twenty thousand dollar. Next project um. This project it got proposed by BPAC, um, I think two years ago, a couple of years ago. Um, so this one is uh, to reduce existing port job island and reconstructing the concrete curve of the island at both location to provide more direct and safe path for bicycle traveling on westbound of El Camino Real. So um, this is not on the ATP, but it is recommended to use the TDA money for. Uh, so um, so we have calculated the cost. It will be roughly $70,000 for this project. Next one. Um, so uh, this one is implement, implementing Class 3 bicycle route on Astoria between Evelyn and Olive um, Avenue. So um the active transportation uh ATP call for class three bike bicycle route uh on this segment. And then um so we uh it's will so description will um of this project will start bicycle may use full length size and then start zero marking on the pavement, shoulder striping, and double yellow center line. And then this is an ATP. Um also recommend you AT um TDA money fund for it. And the cost of this is $30,000. So uh, so tonight objective. So we have talked about a potential object, uh, project that we could use TDA money for. Um, but also staff, we recommend to use the money on the project number one, which is installation of sidewalk on Poplar. Um, uh, so, um, so if BPAC agree with the staff recommendation, to bank the fund for the construction phase of the public sidewalk project, then commissioner can make the motion during tonight meeting, and then um and then so so with that said um we uh, if we make the motion tonight then uh we won't uh, have um BPAC, um we won't have the uh TDA discussion in April and May, but or else uh no if no or no motion needed BPAC who can make the recommendation uh, during the May BPAC meeting. So just to clarify, um, if BPAC decides to bank the funding um, we're using for future, then um, we do not have to bring this to council. We could let VTA know that um, BPAC decides to bank it. So that's why if that's um, if, if BPAC make that motion tonight, or, or take that action tonight, then we will not be bringing this item back to BPAC um, in April or May. And so banking it with the intention of, of doing the popular project, we finally get enough funds to pull Correct. it off. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, and let's say I'm just to make this very quicker. I'm going to open public comment first. Um, so let's see, and then I'll go to um, our commissioners. Um, so the time is 9.47 p.m. I'll go ahead and open the public hearing on this specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the commission, please submit a speaker card to the staff liaison. Use your raise hand button now or dial star nine. We'll call members of the public participating in person first, and the staff liaison will ask for remote participants. Uh, staff, do we have anyone in person? Uh, we have. We don't have anyone in person, and then we don't have anyone online either. Okay, at 9.47 p.m., I'll close public hearing on this topic. And now I will go to my uh, commissioners, Commissioner Haifman. Um, first of all, just a question to staff. In the, the numbers in the packet are very, very different than the numbers you presented tonight. So apparently the uh, dollar figures in the packet like homestead. Oh, yeah. Um, so to answer your question, um, homestead got approved with that amount of money last year in August. So this is the new year. So we take into the inflation uh, account um, for that. I, I, one clarification. So um, uh, if, are you referring to the homestead RTC that was brought to council last year? I'm or... referring to the, oh, what we received in the agenda packet. The agenda packet had a list of five things to consider for tonight. The first one was um, in, the, in the dollar signs over in the budget estimate are different on most of these. Yes. Um, but the one that really was obvious was uh, Homestead. They said the design was 97. This said the design was $97,000. Construction was $483,000. Tonight, um, I think it said the design was 110. Okay, so that's I believe if you go back to that slide. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show this slide right now. So I'm just wondering what numbers are right here. Okay, let me show, also share the screen also, and then I'll, I, I, we can explain that. Um, so that's kind of explain why the this presentation haven't posted. Um, because when we um, create the, the slide and then the spreadsheet in the agenda packet, that's the price that we got last year. We didn't include into like the inflation, the seven point five percent inflation. So with the seven point five percent inflation, that's the new number you're looking at the presentation right here. If you look, if you notice your part of island on El Camino Real, it's got more than proposed in the presentation. So this popular one didn't increase in price because it it matches. The popular one, when it was brought to council last year, they were already considering um, what the cost would be. Plus, um, they're going through the design phase. Well, plus they are going to be starting the design phase, and at that point, um, during the final design phase, um, the the designer, the engineers would um come up with a more accurate construction cost, and will it will be updated at that point. Okay, so basically you're saying the um, presentation are more accurate numbers than what we have in our packet. Correct. Correct. Okay. Just to clarify the presentation number, um, in, as what Mr. Lay said, um, the presentation, the, the, the cost um, included in the presentation in, includes inflation, assuming when construction would take place. Okay. So uh, then I'll open the conversation, open the discussion. I, I believe the amount that we have banked and the amount we expect to get should all go to the homestead project. 
because that had a lot of public interest. Um, and it really affects kids going to Homestead High School. Uh, you had two things on there. Uh, there's two slides. One slide actually implement bike lanes, full-time bike lanes between two streets. I don't remember which two it was. Um, yeah, between Wright and New, New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. And then also use the money to complete the design for the entire project. So I'll throw that one out. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the sidewalks, that sidewalk project I know is important, but um, I used to commute on that road. I know two things. One, the homeowners don't want sidewalks. So a lot of the homeowners will be in disagreement, but that, because that was brought up one time before. Uh, and it said there was not popular homeowner support for putting in those sidewalks. And second of all, those streets aren't that busy. So anyhow, I think the Homestead Project is much more important. Thank you, Commissioner Haifman. Commissioner Liu. Yeah, just to quickly respond, the Poplar Project I think um, it is uh, right next to Peterson Middle School, and it is very busy. Well, I haven't actually been there, but I assume it's very busy during school drop-off and pickup. And the parents of the students there would like it. Um, and there was a, a collision of a car with a pedestrian on El Camino Real, though, not on Poplar. Poplar comes off of El Camino Real. But I think I think for that reason the sidewalk on Poplar Poplar is important. But um, I do agree that the Homestead full time bike lanes project might be a better use of the money than the Poplar project because the Poplar project cost nine hundred thousand dollars to construct, and that would take about six years of banking. And if I recall, TDA doesn't doesn't allow banking over so that many years. I remember last year you were saying that. They only allow four years or three years of banking. That is correct. And um, and uh, another reminder is that we did bank some money from last year. So last year, I believe we banked hundred approximately hundred seventy six thousand. So, and this year we don't know exactly how much we'll get because it's all based on um sales tax. So we haven't received the number yet. But on average, we do get roughly one hundred forty, sometimes more, sometimes I don't think we're going to get less. But just because sales tax, just because things have gone pricier, so sales tax would go up. But anyhow, um, combining to, from with last year's, we'll have uh, you know roughly at least three hundred thousand so, dollars. Yeah, but it's unlikely that we'll get nine hundred thousand dollars at the end of the time limit. And um, as a reminder, too, um, as part of that project, we are looking into doing some GSI um, green infrastructure, imp uh, um, green stormwater infrastructure improvements, which we have a separate um, bucket of money that we would be pulling out. Um, so there's some fundings to it. And so um, we, we could potentially look for other funding and, and depending on where that timeline is, then we're just trying to get the money to to build it. And um, one clarification to um to Commissioner Haveman's comments about um uh, the the neighborhood is not supporting it. We during the study, um city staff did reach out to individual homeowner along the corridor where um sidewalk is proposed to be built. And so we do have consensus um with the homeowner 
along the corridor at this time, correct? That was done last year. So um, I wanted to make a couple more comments. I still, I still think the money, because of the size of the fund, is better spent on the homestead full-time bike lanes because with just one year's worth of the money, I believe we can complete it. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not yeah. one year. So, yeah, I was going to say, because um, with this, um, this we we still need to bank the money because it's not, we could, we could potentially proceed with the design, but for the construction, we still won't have enough money. That's true. Yeah. Um, so we would have to bank over perhaps three or three or so years. Um, okay. But, uh, and then a couple questions. Um with the reducing the pork chop on El Camino Real, I looked back on our last year's BPAC's recommendation, and I believe BPAC did vote to uh, recommend reducing the pork chop. But is it the case, I didn't, I try to look for it, but I couldn't find council's decision on it. Is it the case then, based on your presentation, that council went against BPAC's recommendation and decided on just Peterson? Correct. Oh, okay. Um, uh, another thing I recommend is we drop the Pastoria Class 3B bikeways from the list because I th I just think Class 3B bikeways are actually make biking worse. So we should not be even trying to do it. Um, so that's what I recommend. Uh, I hope we can make a motion on that. Thank you, Commissioner Louie. We'll just hear from other people their thoughts, and then we can make a motion. I have I have uh, more suggestions for more new projects to add, though. Do I do this at this time? Um, yes, you can do that at this time. Okay, so I have four projects. I pulled the public, and this is what I got. One of the things that was very popular among the public was to remove bike the bollards that go up, uh, that are placed in front of these multi-use paths like the like the multi-use bridges over 101 and 237 on Borregas Avenue. Um, but there's other bridges and other paths where there's bollards. So there, the Dolls Bridge over 85 has bollards. Um, and in general, I, I wanted to like remove bollards and align curb ramps to the pathways because often the ramp is misaligned and then the cyclist has to stop, get off the bike and make this 90 degree turn and then widen the entrances into these paths. So I mentioned the Dolls Bridge, that would be the case. And I mentioned the Borregas Bridges over 101 and 237. Um, and that also, in addition to removing the bollards, install curb ramp on the Southeast corner of Borregas Avenue and Waddell intersection so that cyclists can get off of the sidewalk and onto the correct side of the street when they continue north on Borregas Avenue. And then there's the Cheyenne bike ped pathway connecting Yukon and Valcartier, remove those bollards and align the ramp. Stella Court bike ped pathway to Las Palmas Park, align the ramp to the pathway at the Stella Court entrance. Fremont Avenue at Los Altos border at the wooden bridge entrance re going westward, remove the bollard and the metal guardrail because those are hazardous to the cyclists. 
that's one project. I'm assuming removing these things, well, it, I guess it might cost some money to align ramps, but at least removing the bollards might not cost too much money. And maybe we could do all of it in one TDA fund. Um, and a second project is the Kennewick Homestead Road intersection to study installing a scramble phase. So this would be studying it. It wouldn't be actually executing it. Um, because I understand that it would require a study first. So there's a lot of public support for it among the students and the parents at, of students who attend Homestead High. That's a dangerous intersection. And I suggest using TDA funds to study it. And then the third project is Fremont Avenue at the Los Altos border, which I mentioned earlier, but it needs more work. So there was a lot of public support for improving that connection between Los Altos and Sunnyvale. The bike lane disappears, or at least, you know, is discontinuous and it's kind of dangerous. It goes from, so um, in the westbound direction into Los Altos, paint continuous bike lanes on the roadway across the bridge. Um, and then in the eastbound direction, paint continuous bike lane from the bridge across the Belleville intersection. Currently, there's a discontinuity. And you may have to remove that rightmost car lane that suddenly appears after the bridge, which the cars don't use anyway because it suddenly appears and cars cannot jump sideways by 12 feet. Um, oops. What's the point of order? The TDA funding specifically pertains to issues that are not under study. It actually has to be projects which have been approved and um, for which, you know, um, will be going forward. So study issues are not applicable in this kind of context. And and also um, it has to be like a project that, that's like ready, you know, it, it's it's in, in you know there's a, a project that's been identified the environmental uh um there are no legal impediments i mean it says it in the in the application thing and that there's no environmental right of way issues that have been reviewed and found to be in such a state that fund obligation deadlines will not be jeopardized etc and adequate local funding is available to complete the project so these suggestions, while laudable, are not within the scope of this funding. I think some of them could be. I I'm not sure. I think that's oh, that not was, correct. So, yeah. so I I, Actually, me, admit, I don't know whether they require extensive study, but if so, then they're not eligible and that's fine. But I wanted to say them because I don't know how much study it takes, whether it requires study. So I just wanted to say my fourth one and then you can come back and tell us whether it requires study and for if it does, then it's invalidated. So my fourth suggestion is at the Evelyn Avenue, just east of Francis, there's a public parking lot exit there. And the problem is cars illegally make a left turn onto Evelyn when they exit that parking lot. There's a no left turn sign there, but cars don't, uh, don't heed it sometimes. And it's a hazard to pedestrians and cyclists because the cars have to poke their nose out and um, 
and they block the bike lane and the sidewalk. So, um, so the suggestion here is to, in order to enforce that right turn only, put a concrete barrier along the median of Evelyn right there in front of the exit, and that'll force cars to turn right or just close off the exit altogether. So these are my four suggestions. Um, thank you. So I asked staff, so in the past, we have gotten uh, suggestions from commissioners for possible TDA projects, and then you had to go off and figure them out. I know we had one um, at the end of Crawford going into Las Palmas that was on the list at one point where there's basically a, a Sunnyvale bike route that you can't ride. <laughs> yeah, that one was on the list last year, and um, BPAC discussed it, and I, I recalled because of the cost that was associated to the improvement, BPAC decided not to proceed with it. Or we actually decided to drop from the list permanently, or did we uh, just defer it? Like these are, you know, keep it in the bucket. At some point, it should be fixed. I, I, I recall the discussion was it was really high cost that it doesn't work using the money to implement that. I did hear um, um, Commissioner Lou mentioned the Stella Court one, which is an alternative route for that and to get into Las Palmas. If you just change the um, ramping down to the streets and that you could drop the current route that you can't bike as a bike route, which is kind of strange that we have a bike route that you can't bike and switch it to the Stella Court option. That would be re-identifying the bike route? Or... It, it changed the bike route a little bit, but it just jog over a little bit to a, a one that you could actually ride rather than have routing people to something they can't ride through, which just seems odd. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you could ride through that. It's just that... No, you I, can't. Uh... No, <laughs> you have to get off your bike and walk through. It's too narrow. <laughs> and you, you, it's not ADA compliant either, I think. But... Um, and then to answer um, Commissioner Leo's question, um, the studying of the scramble is not one of the, it does not belong, it, it, the TDA. Um, that would have to be a study. Yeah, yeah the, the, it won't be a t, um, applicable for the funding because that's not one of the things that is identified in the resolution. Okay. And um, the study of closing the driveway to the garage would not be part of it ice either okay. and the bollards is that because it's a uh, private property or something it's not private property but it's it, um existing it's like you know it's parking garages within downtown so there has already been parking studies that were done as part of the downtown specific plan okay but how about putting the concrete barrier to make drivers turn right that would alter the um the what you call it the the circulation. So that would be something that needs no, to be. No, it it only enforces the circulation because you're not mm -hmm. supposed to turn left there anyway. There's a sign. You're just enforcing that cars have to turn right there. We'll have to show that that is a bike pet improvement. Correct. Yeah. Oh, then because the study? TDA, yeah, it is for it's for bike pet improvement. So that right, would be a right. little harder. Right. Well, it, it, I mean, the, the claim is that because they have to poke their nose out the cars, it is dangerous for pedestrians and bicyclists as they're, when they're going on Evelyn there, it, um, the cars will. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that one would be a little hard because just okay. you know for vehicles to drive out of a driveway, they still need to pull out. So you know it'll be the same argument, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Even if they were to make a right turn. Okay. But how about my other suggestion? All right. Oh, yours is my outer battery. So. Does that mean we can go home now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, we got a new one. Let's pause it for now. Uh, can you question the bottom? Oh no, sorry. Okay, it's maybe it's loading right now. Back. Oh, I'm back. Okay, one last question on the list that um, Commissioner Liu mentioned. The um, Borregas Bridge bollards, is that within scope um, to improve bicycle safety? Because the bollards have gotten hit quite a few times and they keep falling down. Um, I think this is this was a topic that we have discussed in previous BPAC meeting before uh, regarding the bollards. And um, in the past, what we have explained is that the bollards is there to try to slow down bicyclists because it's coming down on a ramp. Interesting. But okay, but um, like you don't put stop signs right in the middle of a of a car road to slow them down. Um, Okay, I'm going to take that one offline. Mm -hmm. I want to have a separate oh. discussion with staff about it. Since it's out. Okay, I'm going to go now to Vice. Oh, are you done, Commissioner Liu? Um, just to um, close up that other suggestion, which is the Fremont Avenue at the Los Altos border. So are, is that an eligible project? Capital or... Uh, yeah, that's like to make the bike lanes continuous across the border. Um, actually, I think actually... Um, yeah. Mr. Ng mentioned that that actually is going to be redesigned, that whole space um, at some point. This is um, on Fremont Ave between 85 and Stevens Creek. Um, that that area was um, it's, it's kind of connected a little bit to the Stevens Creek uh, Trail project. I believe he did mention that yeah. at one point. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else, Commissioner Liu? No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Beagle. All right. Um, so I'm a bit confused uh, on the option for the motion. Uh, so if you could explain it again. It, so it, it's going to council either way, but if we... If, if BPAC decide to bank the funding, it does not need to go to council. Specifically to bank it for the first project that was listed? So banking could be for any project. 
So actually the two projects that are most likely to bank are both the homestead and the uh, sidewalk one, Poplar, both would require banking. So we could bank it, then make a decision in the future. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so for, for banking, um, we don't necessarily need to identify a project. Okay. So it could be banking for future use. So we, what advantage does it give us to vote to bank it tonight? Like it just, could we, in the May meeting, could we vote to bank it as well? Um, can I run three? There are three scenarios. Actually, um, oh, no, sorry. we cannot. Um, so we we don't have all the um, so we don't have all the deadlines yet. But in the past, we need to inform VTA um, in the middle of April if we decide to bank it or not. Okay. So if and um, so this is going from previous. Um, so in the past, so there's an April deadline that we need to fulfill. And then later on, there is a separate deadline that um, council has to adopt a resolution if we decide not to bank it and apply it for a project. Okay. So let me run through this scenario so I make sure I understand this. Uh -huh. So we vote to bank it tonight. In April, we tell VTA we're banking it. Mm -hmm. And that's end of story. Correct. Like we, and, and, and then we'll revisit it next year. Okay. Uh, so let, And then if we vote to not bank it tonight, uh, we're voting on a project to allocate it to, or we're going to be coming back in May? So if we vote not to bank the project, there's still two options. I don't know if it was very clear. Um, so one of them is if BPAC sort of have a general idea to go with one of the projects listed, then we'll go, staff will go ahead and prepare the report to council, and we'll bring it back to BPAC in May to make a motion. Yes. So is council going to be making a decision between now and May, or we're just no. kind of punting it until May? We're punting it until May, correct. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. Um, we Julie. changed it to April because oh, yeah, May, we will, try to, we will try to bring it to you in April to make a recommendation to council, partly because our May schedule is really packed. Okay, so <laughs> the slide here needs a correction to say April, or is that like... No, yeah. so um, the, other, the other thing is the third... Okay. scenario is if BPAC wants us to look at a project that is not on that list so that staff could actually go and take a look at it and do a little bit of research and see if it's feasible, then we'll bring it back to, we'll come back to BPAC in April, kind of list out the pros and cons and let you know whether it's feasible or whatnot. And then at that, and then we're going to bring it back to you guys in April, in May to make a motion to be to city council. Got to it. make a recommendation to the council. Okay, I think I. So sorry, it is a little confusing, <laughs> but there's like three different routes to go. Okay. Uh, okay, I'll I'll come back to the the proposed idea in a second, but I first have a question uh, relating to one of the projects that was in the slides. Um, so I might have misheard, but on the homestead bike lanes, I think it was mentioned that there the striping between Wright and Kennewick is currently messed up, and it needs to be restriped. Um, Sorry, to get, so go ahead. Clarify, it's not messed up. So um, as part of the, um, so what Couch Water is do, doing out there is replacing the main water line. So with that, they have to dig up the pavement to replace it. Um, so for a portion of Homestead, what they're doing is they're resurfacing the, the, um, from lip to lip, from um, lip of gutter to lip of gutter. Um, so that portion will be um, between... Can you to and right? Yes, between kind of. So that's the majority of. No, it's not. It's between. Um, it's between. It's between Wright and Mary. Wait one second. Let me. There, there you go. There, there's the street name. 
Let me quickly look at that on the map. Right. No, there. no, no. Okay. So there's two portion of it. So between, so those are very detailed information. So between um, Wright and between Wright and Mary, they're going to resurface from lip to lip, lip of gutter to lip of gutter. Between Mary and New Brunswick, they are going to only resurface um, 20 feet from where they're digging on either side. Okay. So it's not from lip to lip. And so the mm -hmm. there were, I think there were two slides for Homestead, one of different ranges or? Um, for the other slide, because the Cal Water Project is only for between Wright and New Brunswick. So it doesn't cover the entire project limit for the Homestead full-time bike lane. Okay. Project limit. So the third one, the third project that we listed, can you go to the next slide? Um, that one is to design the rest of the portion that was not listed in project number two. Okay. So and 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 for construction, same thing. It's not is is the portion that's not listed in project number two. So for Mr. Lake, correct me if that is wrong. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for project number two, it says the cost is thirty k. Is that just to put up the signs? Okay, but the striping is already going to be performed for that section. Um. So two sections. Well, the por the portion between Wright and Mary, the striping is going to be restriped. It's oh, uh, for, from um. For that portion, we're not able to reallocate any bike lane with or anything like that. So what we're looking at is, um, so the the bike lane has already been striped out there. It's just that right now is part time, and what we're looking at is um putting in um the bike symbol on the pavement so that painting it's it. like painting it, painting on the it okay. yeah, mm -hmm. so that is more, you know, so that. We typically do that on, on regular bike lanes, correct? Right. And then um for the portion between Mary and New Brunswick, um we already have buffer bike lane, I believe, for portion of it. And there's no parking on the other side, so it's already full-time bike lane on, on portion of it. Okay, so a future project is gonna be needing to complete the rest of that. Well, a future a future project is gonna need to fully restripe the portion between right and Mary, or is that just gonna be how it is and the TDA project that was listed for that section is just the signs and like something else will be doing the striping in the future. So the, for for project number three, it will be completing the entire project, which is um between Bernardo and Wright. That portion involves um road diet, mm -hmm. and so there's going to be some shifting of um striping, and then from new new. Brunswick. Brunswick to the rest of Homestead portion of it um, requires portion of it. I think there's a little bit of stretch that requires um, removal of parking. Wherever what? it occurs, you're putting paint down where it's mm -hmm. needed and you're putting signs where it's Exactly. Needed. So that okay, would be the... Rather than getting into the minutiae yeah. of mm -hmm. exactly where it is, it would be completed so that, such that you, Homestead... You can't hear it. We can't, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Correct. So number three is basically doing all the striping and signs for the rest of the corridor to complete that. Right, right, right. Thank you. Well, I, 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 don't, I think I fully grasped number three. I guess I don't grasp number two. <laughs> number two, um, we are putting in signs. It's, ju it's just the signs. Correct. But there was still going to be a future project because the Homestead Bike Lane Project was approved by council. There's going to be a future project that's going to be like 
doing the road diet and moving the lanes. Except there's no funding associated to it yet. Yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. I think I understand. Um, and then I think this might be just in the minutia, but on the on slide nine, uh, the, the text says signs that say no parking anytime, but the picture says no stopping anytime. Uh, which one will it be? <laughs> That is a discussion when we do the okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the question on that project, and then relating to proposing a project, I wanted to quickly ask uh, if doing a quick build project. So I'm I, I really like AB four one three with the, the crossflex. Uh, if doing something related to AB four one three, maybe along the lines of like quick build projects to narrow some residential intersections and remove parking so like there's some residential intersections such as you're not gonna be familiar with it but like carson and piedra uh which is north of washington park but it's this massive like 60 foot wide residential intersection and there's parking a lot allowed alongside like the whole residential intersection and i'd like to see flexi posts like put into like kind of give a very temporary road diet into this massive residential intersection. This it's a residential in, residential intersection has no striping, no painting, anything. It's just this big circle of asphalt. And I'd like to, so parking is currently allowed on the corners and all around and with AB 413, that parking is going to be prohibited because it's technically an unmarked crosswalk. If we could like get rid of the parking and put like flexi posts in there to like give it a, temporary quick build road diet would that be something that's permitted and i'm just using that as an example of an intersection but something along the lines of step towards ab413 flex posts flexi posts or something to narrow roads so we um staff is currently working on a quick build project which we will be installing a lot of these quick build flexible um improvements at um, a lot of the intersections near different schools. So our direction um, that the direction that we got was that um, we do want to implement this quick build project first and see how things work in terms of operations and things like that before we design um, and implement additional quick build projects. Okay, got it. Um, and then as another example of an AB413 project, uh, there's a number of crosswalks in the city. Uh, there's some on Iowa uh, and it's some on Bernardo that I'm familiar with where there it's an unmarked crosswalk, but it's the sidewalk goes down and into a ramp and it's got like that ADA accessible bump thing to like signify, hey, there's a ramp here. You can enter the street here. But then there's no actual crosswalk in the road. It's just a ramp for ADA accessibility um, and parking is allowed next to these crosswalks on both like in the case of Bernardo on both north and south of the crosswalk, you can like, the cars can hug the entrance to the road for this crosswalk entrance. And same with Iowa and east and west side of the crosswalk. Just, okay, first of all, does my scenario make sense what I'm describing? I think I know what you're referring to. Okay, uh, could we use a TDA project to either just, well, in, li in light of four AB413 to put the signs up there to prohibit the parking next to it. Bernardo is a better example than, oh yeah, it is Olive. Yeah, like that. Bernardo has a better example because there's a lot more parking and the cars are traveling a lot faster, but that's exactly the kind of crosswalk I'm talking about. Uh, 
could we use TDA funding to make it a safer pedestrian space by prohibiting parking on the approach side of those crosswalks or to actually paint the crosswalk on the road? I believe the city actually has a crosswalk warrant um, to determine when a crosswalk marking would be warranted. Okay. So location like this, um, we will probably need to do a study to see if a crosswalk is actually even warranted. Okay, so if there's, there's already, there is a crosswalk there. It's just unmarked, which kind of feels to well, me like... to make it from an unmarked crosswalk to a marked crosswalk, there is a there is a warrant study. Okay, because to me, having it like this feels like the worst of both worlds because it's it's there but unmarked, which kind of makes it less safe than if it didn't exist. But, um, okay, so it, it seems like probably wouldn't be a great TDA project to like... Mm -hmm. What about like their explicit signs removing parking near that crosswalk. Specifically on Bernardo, because I think it's very dangerous. The car's block view of the crosswalk. Yeah, I need, I, I need to confirm with ETA order how that order this is really, well, because it's actually VTA and then MTC, whether this is actually like a head improvement or well, not. AB413 is specifically crosswalk daylighting, and it's specifically about removing parking near crosswalks. So I would imagine it's pedestrian related enough because that's like the whole law that's coming down is pedestrian related. Um, okay. Um, I'm just saying, is there a um, more efficient process for commissioners to suggest projects to get them in the pipeline? We know, or is bringing it up here in the meeting the best way? Yeah. Uh, for TDA fund? Yeah, funding. Yeah, bringing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I guess if it seems like I'd like to dig into like how to properly propose this as a project, because some of these, I think for like the crosswalk one with no parking, that wouldn't warrant a study issue because it's just like a little place I want to, it's kind of more like an operational change, change the parking here. Uh, but it's difficult to get as TDA funding because Wait, it kind I of thought needs... there is a study issue that was proposed that was ranked or deferred today. Deferred for what? That's for, well, that's, I think there was one thing, one related to curb painting you're talking mm -hmm. about? Yeah. That I, Well, there's, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, we, we need to um, come to a closure on what we want to recommend without yeah, going too deep. Excuse me, we cannot hear you with the mic off. So we have two choices before us right now, okay? One is we vote to bank the money. If we do not have a motion before us, we don't want to do the motion to bank the money, then we would propose uh, an additional a project or whatever it is. But throwing all these projects out and then asking... Um, Ms. Sang to make a decision on the, you know, thing or whether or not it would be TZ, TDA feasible, it, we can't do it <laughs> right now. So um, we can, we, so either we're not going to do, either we're going to do the motion tonight to bank the money. If we're not going to do the motion to bank the money, then we can propose the additional projects. So you're, you're suggesting two motions? No, no, there's only one motion. The motion is either we we we're going to bank the money. If nobody, if we don't want to make the motion to bank the money, then we're not doing anything with with the funding, and we're going to propose an additional project, which she will come back 
to us in April, and then in May we have to decide. Is that correct? Or April, we actually have to decide. I'm sorry, April. Uh, yeah, did the BPAC recommendation to go before council, and then council would have it approved. Is that not correct? So if there are new projects idea that you um, that BPAC wants staff to um, look at, then we would need time to take a look and see and evaluate whether it's and then how much use. it would cost and and, and exactly so forth. and then just so we'll like we've bring got with those these. back to BPAC in April um, to to show what these projects are and so forth. So my question to you is is aside from the five projects or six projects we have in the list tonight. Okay, um, is this meeting right now the appropriate forum to su suggest new projects to be added to that list for evaluation at a future meeting, or is that not correct? And if not, then at what point in time in the year do we do that? So um, this, so this is the right venue to propose new projects. Um, if I would suggest. Um, if there are commission, if there are certain projects that in the past we we do have a list that are running, um, a running list of things that we could potentially look at um, in when when TDA Article Three funding comes up. So throughout the year, if commissioners has such suggestion on the project, perhaps you could mention it in staff comments. I mean, in commissioner comments, but we cannot discuss them. Um, could uh, commissioner just email them to you so they have a write-up and that way you collect them and then they come back that to would it and work as well mm -hmm. i think that would be more right because that way you can determine at that point in time whether they would be tda eligible rather than trying to do it on the fly when right. you're not certain mm -hmm. and okay. that way also they you get they give more of a discussion and you can have supporting materials and maps and stuff and flesh it out with staff make sure that we have um baked ideas come back to us in the list, basically. Right. So so coming back to what we need to accomplish right now for this meeting is if we are not going to forward a motion to bank the money, then we need to consider what we already have on our list right now as far as uh, funding for for the next meeting, because none of the other stuff that that's just been suggested to you right now has even been verified whether or not it meets the criteria for a TDA project. All right. So okay. Okay. So so if if yeah. BPEC's direction is for us to look at them, then we would need to take a look at them individually, and then present those to you in April, and then bring it back to you in May to make a recommendation. Right. Okay. So so you can't do it right now and ad hoc say, we want this project. Is it a TDA project? You can't answer that. I mean, right some now. of them is pretty clear cut that it is not. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. OK. So 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 um, I just want to try to circle it back to what we actually need to do rather before we get lost in the weeds of throwing all these projects. I'll, at I'll, you. I'll, okay. I'll get this take care of. Yeah. OK. So um, Vice Chair Beagle, do you have any other? Yeah. So just in summary, uh, we vote whether or not to forward or sorry we vote whether or not to bank the money for the tda projects if we don't vote if we vote to not bank the money then it would it would be at that time that i could like or after this meeting i could send an email to you and be like hey i'd like to see this project in april and you present it a little bit more in detail and then in may we'd vote or in april we vote april we vote um, or assuming it's eligible. But. So for this year, I would say if there's a project idea that you want us to look at, it's better to let us know now.
But then for future years TDA, then if you have idea throughout the year, you could email us with information. This is for fiscal year 24, 25. Is it? Yeah, 24, 25. Yes. That's correct. Okay, so when you say for this year now, you mean during this meeting? Correct. Okay. Well, so. well because uh, just to add to her, because one you suggest, though, if we could answer you right here so we don't have to go back and then do the cost estimate, like, you know, the spreadsheet last year we did for you at the 18 project. So it does take um, time to prepare and then check with all the, the staff within the department. But if we could answer you right here, uh, oh, that's not eligible for TDA, then we don't have to, you know, spend time to prepare that. Yeah, yeah, and then same thing. If we if we decide to vote on the six project, then we can. Uh, we don't have to go to uh, May meeting for the TDA voting or uh, make motion because we could make that motion in April without new project proposed tonight. Okay. I better think about this for a bit, and I'll, okay. I'll take. I'll it's, 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 yeah, it's like three scenarios, kind of really similar. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, uh, Vice Chair Bigal. I don't think we've heard from Commissioner Haifman yet. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I could, we could probably sit here all night and come up with 200 projects easily. I think we got a good list on the board. I don't like the idea of banking it. I think we need to spend the money because we need to move forward on ATP faster. Um, and there's two really good projects on the list there, the homestead, which is my favorite, but also the popular, um, bike or popular pedestrian or <laughs> sidewalks. It's getting late. Um, so I recommend we focus the discussion at this point on these two. Note that for both of these, we do need to bank because that's, those are large projects. Right, we can't actually implement them with the funds we have currently available. Is that correct? For um, project number two, I believe we do have enough funding to do it, and for project number three, for the design portion, we do have enough funding okay. to do it. Yeah. So now, so with project number two, yeah, that's the the part. Yeah, between those streets, and project number three is complete design activity on the entire project. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have the money to do both of those. Both of those, yes. And if we didn't do anything on this, if we put the money into the poplar, do we we don't have enough to complete that, so we would have to bank it, huh? We do have to bank it, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So really and just and just um as a reminder, um for fiscal year 23-24 funding, um we have 160,000 TDA funding to do the design of Poplar. So that project um staff will be starting on um the, the design portion of that project um sometime this year. And so once the design is completed, then we'll be waiting for funding to actually do the construction. So um on on this slide, you could see when um, council make the action to file the application um, for fiscal year 23-24 TDA funding, um, one of the part as part of the action, it was to bank the rem remaining funding for construction. Um, and then on February 6th, when we 
um, the council actually um, accepted the funding from the TDA funding from MTC from VTA. So at, 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 um, as part of the acceptance, um, they also reaffirmed that um, they wanted to reserve future funding um, allocation for construction for that project. Okay, um, Commissioner Hafen, do you have a motion perhaps? Well, then I move that we use the money to implement items two and three on the list, which includes the uh, actually installing permanent bike lanes and changing the signs between Wright and New Brunswick and doing the design activity for the entire project. Okay, we have a motion. Do we have anyone wishing to second that motion? So just a reminder, um, the, we so we only need a motion if we want to bank it. Oh, okay, so if we... Any other projects, any other project idea that we are not making a motion tonight because we need to prepare a complete report to council with all the alternatives and present that to BPAC. But don't we have to make a decision uh, if we want to pursue the projects versus the banking? The motion is to not bank to, or not. Oh, okay, well, to bank or not, that's the only motion, to bank or not to bank. To bank on, so basically to bank or not to bank. And then if we if BPAC decide not to bank it, then the direction for us is to only keep it to the project that are listed on this list or if there's additional projects that BPAC would want us to explore. Okay. So then to summarize um, Commissioner Haifman's motion, he would be moving to not bank it so that we could pursue those two projects. Did we, we didn't go through public comment. We did. We did. We did. We started I, I, I with did that first. At the very beginning so we could... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I've only been asking questions. <laughs> well um, oh, actually right now i've got a um a motion to not bank and do we have a second okay turn on my mic i'd second yes <laughs> second okay we've got a motion a second now we um to your motion shafen yeah turn my mic on oh, oh this might be the same issue no, 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 there's power. There's, oh. He's got power. There you go. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, I feel that I was really moved by all the public discussion months ago now on this homestead situation <clears throat> with the homestead bike lanes with all, especially the kids trying to get to and from school. A lot of them leaving school after the bike lanes go away because parking is allowed. And recent discussion that we've heard on it, I just feel it's an ideal opportunity to make some real progress on this project. I mean, I've asked a couple of times when Mr. Ng was here at, at meetings, what's the status of Homestead? Nothing can happen until we get some money. And there's no deadline for you know there's no schedule for when there's going to be money so this is a real opportunity to get this project moving at least from our perspective council has to agree of course 
But so that's why I don't want to bank it. And that's why I like to apply it to those two options. And Commissioner Melman. Yeah, I'm in uh, agreement with Commissioner Hafen on this. I don't want to put necessarily all our fiscal eggs in one basket on one project. I would like to see um, the Homestead uh, Road bike uh, lane conversion primarily because uh, it is a major um, commuting route for school kids as well as people going up and down the uh, Sunnyvale. And I think that if we feed a little money into the design element of it, that we will be able to more easily get funding from other sources to actually complete it. Thank you, Commissioner Melvin. Uh, and other commissioners wishing to speak? Have we got Commissioner Liu? Yeah, I also agree. Uh oh, we have another battery failure. Mm. I'll go ahead, Commissioner Liu, while we're getting oh, the battery. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I also lean more toward putting it into the homestead full-time bike lanes than on to the poplar sidewalk because i do feel it's less safe on homestead than it is on the um, poplar sidewalks um and then also the amount of funds needed for the poplar sidewalks doesn't neatly fit the TDA funding is just going to be have to be banked over more years than for the homestead project, and so, and so I think it's uh, TDA funding is more appropriately applied toward homestead. Um, yeah, and then I also want to make a comment: Is there if if we all agree, why can't we just go ahead and decide on whatever project we want? Why do we have to wait till? April, wouldn't that then shorten our April meeting and then we can do something else? Because we have to prepare a report to council that lists a report to um, um, report to com uh, commission that lists all the alternatives mm -hmm. um, to be selected. But and if we all decide that we just want to select among the ones you already prepared, is that OK? Then you don't. We still need to prepare the report. Oh, OK. Yeah. That's fine. I was just trying to. It's help. just a procedural thing. In order for BPAC to make a recommendation to council, uh, report of, is needed to 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 be attached to a an action. Okay. So then I make a motion to. Not yeah, we've got a motion it. on the table already. Oh, you can't okay. make a new motion. All right. Yeah. So this is just discussion on this motion Thank right you. now. Um, Vice Chair Beagle. Yeah. Uh, I will be agreeing with this motion. Uh, First of all, thank you to my colleagues for reining in the discussion and preventing it from getting out of hand for much longer. Um, yeah, uh, on the motion, uh, I don't see us ever banking our money long enough for the Poplar Avenue project. I think it's going to be six years of banking, uh, five years. I, I, get, I think it depends on how much money we get per year. But I, first of all, I don't think we have the attention span to let it, let it last five years. Um, and then... Even so, like, I would much rather this money be used for short projects or smaller projects with an immediate focus. Um, like, this is our opportunity to do, to pick away at little projects in the city with this, like, small stream of TDA funding. Um, and banking the money, especially in light of inflation, is, like, makes the money less and less useful each year as you push the project further and further out. Um I'd like to use the money immediately in this fiscal year uh, for the smaller projects. And I, I think the ones that have been proposed with this motion are the right ones to do. Um, 
And then I, I think what ends up happening is the rest of the money gets banked. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but um, yeah, I will be supporting a motion to vote to not bank the money. <laughs> Thank you. And seeing no other people wishing to comment, I'm also supporting the motion not to bank because I would like to see the Homestead project move forward as quickly as possible. Although I do recognize Poplar is, a, I would really like to see that fixed also because it's school time, it's crazy with kids not having a sidewalk with all the cars zipping around trying to drop and pick up. They, there needs to be sidewalks at that, at that middle at that middle school. Okay, seeing no one else requesting to speak, uh, may we have a vote, please? Let me double check. Do we still need to vote call for this uh, motion? Vote call, yes. Um, not to bank. Not, not to bank. Yeah. No, we, we probably, need we to probably, just... uh, I think we should, though, just... Okay, yeah. for confirm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, again, bear with me. Uh, Should I no, recognize no, everyone? You just call people off? Yeah. I'll just open uh, them all up. Okay. There you go. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Mailman? Dead battery time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, can you speak on? Oh, Here. no. Uh, I think. Barring chairperson sweet mic, yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll fix that later. Commissioner Haven? Yes. Commissioner Bonet? Yes, no bank. Commissioner Dave? Oh, there you go. Okay. Now you're back. Yes. Commissioner Liu? Yes. Vice Beagle? Uh, yes. So the motion was success with seven yes and zero no to not bank the money. Thank you, everyone, for your patience through that. And uh, Commissioner Liu, do you have a point of I I want to make a motion to drop the Pastoria project. To um, class actually, we finished with this, this. That we only had one motion to make: either the bank or not to bank, and that's it. But can't. But this is part of the agenda. We can choose to no, drop the, it. No. No. So we're we're done with that piece of business. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Go back to my the next business item is item number twenty four dash zero three six four. Important discussion of recent Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority VTA um, Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee meeting. Um, I believe we have a report from Commissioner Bonet. Yes, uh, the VTA BPAC meeting met last week, and there were a few items of note. The first portion of the meeting was from uh, was devoted to a staff report. Previously, we heard that um, VTA graduated new bus drivers, and this one was an announcement of five new light rail operators. Also, they have VTA. VTA is um, actually doing more than just transportation. They're also helping to create affordable housing and the fourth affordable housing development introduced through VTA was 
described in this meeting and it will build 90 affordable housing units at the Winchester Light Rail Station. There was also a Measure B update whose details I will leave to the reader to review. And there were bicycle and pedestrian updates as well uh, with a few interesting links that you can follow. Um, the chairman's report, she described a a VTA-sponsored bike ride near Stevens Creek Trail, which with participants from VTA and several consultants who work on the VTA projects. And um, it was observed that the consultants were um, impressed in learning what life is like for bicycles and pedestrians. It was very eye-opening for them. So if, if at all possible, it would be great to repeat this in, in Sunnyvale as well. She, and in the other communities, it was her suggestion. She outlined the priorities for the VTA BPAC for in this year. There are three main ones. One, of course, is to advance plans to support bicycle and pedestrian mode shift uh, and to secure ample funding for these projects. And then finally, to be an, an effective BPAC in the county and in particular, to work with the county on development of ATP for the unincorporated road and expressways and review final drafts for two large plans. One is the Foothill Expressway Junipero Serra Boulevard, as well as the County General Plan and its specific plans, in particular the Stanford Community and the San Martin Community Plan. <clears throat> Next, we heard a presentation by Ian Lin, who is a transportation planner on a and the beginnings of a, of a study for a very large rework of um, Monterey Road, uh, roughly a 38 kilometer section from, from Keys all the way down to Metcalf. And uh, in particular with attention at these intersections, sorry, I have a typo instead of Kerner, it should be Kurtner. Monterey Road and Kirtner, and then Blossom Hill and Monterey Road. Uh, the, the emphasis here would be to convert what is currently now a six-lane highway into a grand boulevard with complete streets features. And this would reduce sidewalk gaps or eliminate gaps in the sidewalk because it's not continuous. It would install flashing beacons for crossing the large road, uh, install new bike facilities, uh, put an emphasis on school safety and traffic calming. And he was requesting that the BPAC review his presentation and then decide whether or not to approve the plan and recommend its presentation to the VTA board, which the BPAC did. Last, we had a presentation on a, a proposed rework of Highway 17 in Los, Alt in Los Gatos. 
This was presented by Jean Gonzalo and Chris Lilly, who are the engineering manager and the project manager, respectively. And its goal is to rework the crossing of Highway 7 of, uh, of Surface Road 9 or, or uh, State Road 9 over Highway 17 uh, to reduce or to improve the the bicycle and pedestrian crossing of Highway 17 along Highway 9. Currently, there are the bike facilities or the 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 means for using for riding a bike across Highway 17 on Highway 9 uh, are are daunting to say the least. Bikes will, will cross eight interchange ramps for each way, and the project seeks to reduce that to two each way by eliminating the clover leaves and replacing them with T intersections, as you can see in the in the diagram below. So this is a, an image which has a, a superposition of the proposed design as well as the existing clover leaves in in a in their current position. So you'll if you can imagine the clover leaves disappearing and then they are replaced by these four T intersections. Uh, this is, as you can imagine, not a small project. It's estimated to cost 110 million. Um, 13.3 million is actually available from Measure B. Los Gatos has agreed to contribute 0.6 million. And that leaves, as you see, a fairly large gap, which is not unusual at the beginning phases of a project like this. It's targeted to begin construction in four years from now and complete by 2030. Melissa Cereso, who is a principal transportation planner, then presented the VTA's Transit-Oriented Communities Grant Program, whose goal is to increase transit ridership and reduce vehicle trips uh, via mixed-use development around transit station and corridors. This is um, a, a program with relatively modest allocation, 750,000 for this year, and it's allocated to the various categories as shown in this line uh, with their breakdowns. There are applications um, ongoing now. The, the funding release notice will be forthcoming in March and application deadline in May and the awards in June. The last element of the meeting was that our next month's session will include a presentation on the Bascom Avenue Complete Streets project. And Henry Wadler announced that the next Bicycle Academy will begin shortly. He recommends you check their website. It's a four week session teaching um, bicyclists how to navigate on streets. And he also announced that after 22 years at the Bicycle Academy, he will be retiring this year. And is it actually Herman Wadler? Ah, yes, sorry, that's, uh, you're right. Okay, thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you very much for the report. Um, and like uh, to make this quicker, I'm just going to open public hearing now, and then we can get to commissioner comments if any. The time is 10.54 p.m. I'll go ahead and open the public hearing on a specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the commission, please submit a speaker card or raise your hand online. Press dial star nine. Um, staff, do we have anyone wishing to speak? In... Um, um, no one in, uh, um, in person, but also no one online. Okay, it's now 10.55 p.m. I will close the public hearing. Um, commissioners, do, are there any comments or questions for Commissioner Bonet? Commissioner Melman? Oh, I'm sorry, not for Commissioner Bonet. My, my problem, sorry. Yeah, this is on the uh, VTA. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I was thought we were in the commissioner comments. No, nope, not yet. My problem. Okay, seeing no one else wishing to comment on the VTA report, thank you very much, very much Commissioner Bonet, for representing us there. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> we have uh, uh, no standing items for tonight's meeting. That I'm reading my, through my script here. Uh, next order of business is non-agenda items and comments. Surrender my colleagues, please request, uh, raise your hand. Um, request to speak, use your microphone. I'll unmute the microphone as necessary. Okay. Uh, so it's non-agenda items, commissioner comments first. Commissioner Melman. Um, yes, so one happy thing and one sad thing. Um, the uh, happy thing was is we had our King Tide bike ride last weekend, which was gorgeous. And it was a lot of fun. Um, learned a lot about the, um, the uh, estuary, um, the salt flat rehabilitation planning that's going on up in Alviso and what Alviso was like um, once upon a time um, before uh, in the old days and on the Alviso Yacht Club gave us food. <laughs> so we had a hot dog lunch and with chocolate chip cookies for dessert and it was very nice of them to do that. And, um, and so uh, that was the good thing that happened. And then the sad thing that happened is um, we lost a 42-year-old um, female cyclist on Foothill Expressway um, to a motor vehicle collision on Tuesday, I believe it was. Um, and I would like to have a moment of silence for this person, if we may. And for reference, she's 38 years old, Maria Jabon. She's a friend of two of my friends. And she was hit from behind in the bike lane in Foothill by a motor vehicle. Yeah, I didn't know if her name had been announced to the public yet. So it I, has. okay. We'll have a one minute moment of silence in her honor. Thank you very much. And one other comment on that. It is very important to clean the sides of roads. Um, it's, it currently looks like she was avoiding trash in the debris, which brought her closer to the uh, travel lane, which may have contributed to the accident, but we don't, to the crash, I should say. We don't know exactly what the cause was. 
Um, and that's Melman. the end of my comments. Thank you. Commissioner Liu. I just had a question about that sad event. Did did the driver stay and and did they say what happened? We don't have any other information on that. Uh, do you have anything else? Commissioner Beagle? Uh, I just wanted to give the commission an update on the city council's budget and or the study issue and budget proposal meeting that happened today. Uh, the active transportation planner position was referred to the budgetary process. I'm not exactly sure how to word the exact, exact prestigial movement. The, the active transportation planner moved forward. Uh, the um, Fair Oaks uh, complete streets redesign was ranked, was moved forward, but it was ranked fourth on the Department of Public Works study issue list. Uh, and then the other issue that we recommended to move forward with the Peary Park CDD, I forget the number, but the Peary Park one was also forwarded along. And I think that was also ranked fourth, uh, you know. So I do have the information. Um, do I have that wrong? Yes. So CDD 24-04 Peary Park Specific Plan Amendment, um, that one was ranked number six, six. under the CDD list. Okay. And then um, the complete street redesign of Fair Oaks Avenue was ranked number four under DPW. Improving bicycle and pedestrian safety in um, near intersections and crosswalk at Fremont High School and Homestead High School and other innovative traffic improvement. That one, my understanding is that the scope was downsized. <laughs> it was downscoped to only study scramble um, implementation at Fremont and Sunnyvale, Saratoga during busy school hours and no right turn on red at um, Homestead and Kenwick. And that one was ranked number one under DPW. Mm. And then um, the other ones that um, BPAC might be of interest is DPW 24-01, Evaluate Visibility of an Art Crosswalk Program. That one was deferred. DPW 24-10, evaluate a red curb painting request process and utilization on um, volunteers to paint curb. That one was also deferred. Vision Zero redesign of Borregas Avenue, DPW 23-05, that one was dropped. Define metric that the city will use to evaluate progress on bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure for future reporting, DPW 23-08, that one was also dropped. And um, um, Commissioner um, Beagle mentioned, wait, Chair, Vice Chair Beagle mentioned um, um, the, the budget proposal to hire a transportation planner. That one was um, referred to the May budget workshop. And um, the the other one, the the other budget proposal that I believe that one was 2024-06. Hmm. Her painting program, that one was also referred. Thank you for that update. Um, Steady issues? What were they? Let me double check. The, um, number two was um, evaluate feasibility of dog off-leash hours in select Sunnyvale parks. 
Number three was um, explore the feasibility of converting the PG&E lots facing Ramona Avenue, Lois Avenue, and or Donna Avenue into an open green space linear park for the community. Thank you, uh, Ms. Zhang, for the update. Um, I've got one or couple of notes. The uh, library bike repair this past uh, weekend that happened at the same time as the King Tide ride um, was very successful. About 20 to 30 bikes got fixed with about a dozen volunteers. And uh, bike to wherever day, bike to work day, uh, activities for planning are happening now. You can pledge to ride. You can sign up to be an energizer station. Um, just uh, you should have gotten an email, hopefully from Silicon Valley Bike Coalition. So that's in process now for May. Um, the date is, um, I think it's May 16th, a Thursday. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Again, you, um, you can run Energizer stations on any of those days. But the work day is the Thursday, May 16th. And then the following Friday and then the Saturday if people want to run an Energizer station that day also. Three days, 16th, 17th, 18th. Okay, I see no more requests to speak for commissioners. Um, staff, you have anything else to say? Um, I do have some um, announcement. So the bike pathway improvement project have been completed. So the three location um, is a uh, it uh, pathway uh, from Asia to V. Second location is Columbia Park pathway. And the last location is V to Blue Bonnet pathway. So as a reminder, this um, these implementations are reformed using TDA Article 3 funding. I wanted to say fiscal year 22-23 funding. Correct. Thank um, you. And next, uh, VTA will be presenting Homestead Separate to School Project to Sunnyvale BPAC next month. Um, it will be informed and informational and only to collect feedback, no action needed at that meeting. Also, VTA is hosting a public meeting for Homestead Separate to School Project on Wednesday, April 3, I'm oh, sorry, April 3rd at 6 p.m. Location is still pending, uh, still uh, pending for determination by VTA. Um, lastly, Tasman Pedestrian Bicycle Improvement Project Community Meeting is on Thursday, February 29th, is in this Bay conference room from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, but also um, the survey English and also Spanish version is online on our webpage. If you could go into the transportation project, it, it have there. Click on the link and then we encourage you um, share the link and then take the survey. But also if you want to be informed or updated, and you can subscribe to the channel. Um, then we will send out the uh, email with updates and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, Lillian, oh, sorry, do you have any uh, more update? Sorry. I do not have additional updates. Okay, so. Tasman. Yes. Um, I had a question about your Tasman community. So the Tasman Drive Community Project meeting is going to be here at City Hall right. and not held up n near where the residents live. So um, so we're doing um, two different locations, um, what would you say, four. So one here on the tw uh, February 29th. Uh -huh. And then the following week, um, we will do a 
out with uh at um community uh at the mobile home park. Which one? So we try and get all three. So okay. we got confirmed with the two locations. Okay. We're still pending for the public manager to get out. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Thank still you for the clarification. For Appreciate it. And with that said, um, that concludes the staff announcement for tonight. Thank you very much. Next, our information only items 24 BPEC annual work plan. Any commissioners have any comments? Not seeing any. And then 24 active items list for February 2024. Not seeing anyone requesting to make any comments. And 24 0367, 2024 deferred study issues. They're just lists in our uh, agenda. And do we have any deferred? Oh, yeah, we do have one. Okay. Not seeing anyone else requesting to speak on those. Um, the meeting is adjourned at. 11.07 p.m. And I want to thank everyone for your participation in the, tonight's very long meeting. <laughs>